0: Thank mm-hmm. you. again on another Crash Chords podcast. I, of course, am Matt. I'm John. I am Steve. And welcome to another week of awesomeness. Um, I want to thank again our guest last week, Katie Delaney, who uh, brought us questionable music choice, but some great personality. Yeah,
1: one of the most entertaining discussions I've had in a while. For the backloggers, I mean, come now. No, 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 nay, nay, nay. We can assume (laughs) at this point. You're not John Pinnett. I say nay, nay. we, we, We can assume at this point that they've heard the previous episode because... Who would just be like, oh, this is the newest episode, let me get yeah, into it? Yeah, who would it. just no, no, no. stumble upon there's, us, which is exactly research. what we want out of our fans? Who they would do have that? have to do research first, at least yeah. warm themselves up to such, such, such rising meteoric content. What?
2: I don't know. I just it it got away from Meteoric. me. Meteoric. Know. Meteoric. Meteoric is a word. Yeah, no, no, I know. I know. It's, it's curious. Yeah. Well, full of curious word choices today, on air and off. Yes. Yeah.
0: I I don't know. Um, what so shall my, we doctor now, <laughs> Matt? Kind of, yeah. Okay. A word choice that's common to everybody but you, Grandpa. <laughs> no, that's weird. It's really old. So I forget Grandpa the context
2: in which he used it. Now, what was it? Oh, I to doctor your coffee.
1: Yes. Okay.
2: Comment if you feel that's weird, all listeners, to doctor
0: your coffee. But also comment if you don't feel it's weird, all listeners. All right. It's out there. It's on. It's out there. It is on. Full on internet battle. And and pretty much what we're saying is the two listeners, Heather and Knockjaw, please comment. (laughs) Because that's pretty much what we're saying at this moment. Well, there's Mysterious Mark H. Oh, there is Mysterious Mysterious Mark H as well. Don't want to leave him out. Um, which which of our egos will you flatter? Exactly right. Um, I do want to give a shout out to um, this past weekend as we are recording. I had done DJing and sound for the Nerdlusk Festival all weekend. The International Nerdless Festival. It was the second annual. Um, and uh, it was a blast. It was a ton of fun. Nasty Canasta actually got a essentially a lifetime achievement award for, in Nerdlesk for being a forward-thinking, incredible, blessed performer who takes nerdiness to a new level. She did her text adventure act, uh, act where it's video screens projected, all the sound comes from the video, and it's literally a DOS text adventure game with Microsoft Sam saying the text. Like, you are in a room, There are there is an audience, you are wearing a feathery thing, blah, blah, blah. And, like, she tries to t- to strip, but she can't do certain things. She tries to pick up stuff, but she's holding other things and it won't let you. Because in the old text adventure games, like, if you were holding stuff right. and you tried to pick something else up, it says, you can't do that, you're holding something. Or you have no free hand. Go north. There is no north to go to. Right. Go south. There is no
1: south to go to. (laughs) Go west. You are eaten by a grue. Yeah. Always a grue. There's always Always a grue. grue.
0: Always a grue. How
2: could there be no south to go to? Well, sometimes there's no. Unless you're on on the pole, then then that is very accurate.
0: You needed (laughs) pen and paper to play a computer game. It was (laughs) ridiculous. So anyway, she didn't act based on that. There were some other great ones. There were Mad Max themed. um, Which Mad Max? Like original the newest Thunderdome one. Fury. It was it was a group of women as Fu- Fu- Furiosa and her Femmes, and they did a whole act where they took over the stage. That was, it was a really fine. good movie. Still haven't seen it. It was it
1: was a, it was the most action-y of action movies, and I'm beautifully shot. Beautiful but anyway, shot. it was
0: a two day festival. Um actually I think it might have been three days altogether, but there was two evening shows on Friday and Saturday night. There were burlesque classes during the day at Beauty Bar, which I DJ'd as well. Um and uh, it was a lot of fun. It was very cool um, from the mad genius of Lefty Lucy. Um, also, shout out to Sarah Topps, who's a producer as well. There were a ton of producers that I'm not remembering the names of off the top of my head. Uh, but I will try Iris Explosion, Liberty Rose, Danger Doll, possible future guests as well. And, yeah, so um, I want to thank them for giving me the opportunity to be a part of the festival. And um, definitely go check it out next year. They're already starting to plan for next year so. All right. And
2: I uh, I want to thank Steve Swartz, publicist uh, for Dot 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 Music for tickets to the 50 for the Future premiere this Saturday, which I previewed a couple weeks ago when I discussed the uh, interview that I had with David Harrington of the Kronos Quartet. Yes, I got it right this time. I did not call him David Kronos and fuse his name with his own quartet. Uh, but yeah, the 50 for the Future premiere. This was the very first in a line of concerts we'll be getting for the next five years where essentially five men, five women each year will be be nominated, or at least have submitted a piece to uh, the Kronos Quartet for it to be performed and premiered and then put into sheet music. Well, obviously it's already in sheet music, otherwise they couldn't actually perform it, but it will be placed online, available to the public for free, for high schools to discuss, for colleges to discuss. they will actually be rated uh, circa 2020. We have to wait for these pieces actually to be like rated to see what's high school level and what's college level, but uh... it's a 21st century music Sheet music that's available to the public, just, and I just think it's amazing. Just a question: Is there specific themes year by year, or are there specific like no okay, fairly fairly open? Do whatever that was you actually want. One of the questions I asked uh, David Harrington: it, It's go it's, from chamber to romantic to whatever you want to do. Yes, in fact, there was quite uh, diversity within this concert, and it that's also it also cool. featured some uh, New York premieres of pieces that were already available. it wasn't solely fifty for the future based, but they kind of interspersed it with uh, some more commonly known composers, including actually an arrangement of Baba O'Reilly. And I, I, you should know that, that,
1: John. That's one of my favorite songs. That's one of my favorite songs by them, yeah. Yeah? I mean, by The Who, of course. There are better songs by The Who, only because it's not so super massive. Like, that's a really long song. And it's it's the Who, so they can pull off long songs and pinball. Well, wizard. I got to hear a string arrangement. That would that would have been awesome. It was it was rather next year. Rather
2: na- let's hope for Pinball Wizard, because that's that's my favorite. Well, album. that was not actually 450 for the future. That was just a separate oh. thing. So unfortunately, that was just a little 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 neat little perk thrown into the concert. I'm trying to think of a pun with the Who and orchestral music, but. I can't find one. I'll I'll think of it later. Well, anyway, final pitch. This will be out on Friday, so there will still be time to go see, not Kronos, but three quartets. I don't remember the name. The Argos Quartet is one of them. There are... The Ligeti Quartet is the other, and I'm sorry, Third Quartet, I don't remember you, so you don't get pitched right now, because they will be performing pieces that were workshopped together with Kronos on, I believe, April 15th, and that'll be the next in the series of uh, Kronos' New York tour. So uh, get tickets, everybody, and come to the Zanko Theater, which is within Carnegie Hall, and it is acoustically perfect. I can say that now, because I've is. been there. Because you've been there, and you know for a fact it's acoustically I know for a perfect. fact. Okay. Uh, I, I've been to all theaters, and you should know. Now, yeah, acoustically
1: sure. perfect, does that mean it's perfect for any type of acoustic music, or was just for this, like, specific setting, like, could they do, say, acoustic, you know, rock, or, or, or say acoustic
2: grunge? And, and would it still be perfect?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. With, uh, I'm trying to
2: mess with my usage of acoustic. Yeah. Yeah, See? Of this well, is well, a I'm weird with term the, day. I'm,
1: you I'm, know I'm messing with the word perfect. I mean, perfection is so hard and so... Man, you, better sure you, yeah, better, okay. you better run with the album. You
2: better
0: ditch him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? Leave him behind. Just cut him off and oh, just start... Oh, I'm a little overly today. a little. you can't tell. A little. Yeah. He had like three Red Bulls before we recorded. Over the course of the day and two cups of
1: coffee. I'm drinking tea now.
0: You're inhuman. Um, So, of course, the album that I picked today, we'll get right into what it is and then talk a little bit about it. So, it's by Iggy Pop. It's called Post-Pop Depression, if you were listening last week. It's kind of a who's who, almost, of stuff we've done before, too, that's kind of contemporary as well. Um, Because it's not just Iggy Pop writing on his own, but he is working with uh, the lead singer and guitarist for Queens of the Stone Age, Josh Homme, as well as the uh, bassist from the same band, Queens of the Stone Age, Dean Fertita. And then, of course, Arctic Monkeys drummer Matt Helders. Um, I previewed this last week at the end of the episode also. So it was interesting to me, not just because it was Iggy Pop, who I'm familiar with, but because I like those other two bands as well. And needless to say, I only mentioned that Joshua was in Creed of the Stone Age. He's also in, like, eight other bands, like Them Crooked Vultures and The Eagles of Death Metal, just to name a few. So some bird oriented yeah he's like that. got a thing for birds i guess um but so that really interested me but what also interests me is that the album was more or less made in secrecy no one knew it existed until it was available and um the it the conversation between josh and iggy actually started just via text message i guess they had become friends they'd met over the course of just doing what you do in rock and roll and he reached out and um the album's uh Inception, I think, was also inspired by some work that Iggy had done with David Bowie before he passed away. Um, And he wanted to pursue more of what this album was supposed to be, and so he reached out to Josh. Hmm. Um, I think the most interesting thing to me about it is I don't have a huge... Breath of experience with Iggy Pop's whole discography. This is his seventeenth studio album, by the way. God. So, and of course, everyone knows Iggy Pop is also well known for being with the Stooges, who have a plethora of albums as well. So. Um, and he's I, still shirtless. And he's still shirtless, always. On Although the co- on, on the cover, he was
2: not. No, uh, yo. He's, he's, he's selling us short.
0: Yeah. He's selling well, himself short. It,
1: maybe it was Cord in the, in the photography studio that day.
2: Uh, he's getting a little bit older in years. so Maybe, maybe they have to doctor his photo too much nah, <laughs> at age, what, 70-whatever. He'll outlive all of us. Uh, yeah, oh, probably.
0: Geez. But anyway, so I was more curious because I'm a fan of the classics like The Passenger and Lust for Life. And so I thought, well, I mean, old Iggy Pop is fun if nothing else, new Pop will be fun. And so that was my inception for wanting to do this. Plus, I am a huge Queen of the Stone Age fan. I happen to think that Josh is one of the more interesting personalities in rock and roll because he absolutely doesn't give a shit. He mm. just wants to make rock and roll and he has so much fun. Watching him interact with the crowds at concerts um, is really interesting because if you're warm to him, he's warm back. But if you're not, he will absolutely just roll you over. He doesn't care. Well, in terms of the not
2: giving a... Uh, um is there another word I can replace for shit? There isn't, is there? No, what no. would you t- do? Well, uh, you can get worse. There's so many at, like, fudge, you know, for the other thing, but you, can, you can't just say, you know, a word in place of shit. Shite, yeah, I'll just go with shite. Kind. So, kind. Go, like, Irish old school, kind. I like that. Yeah. I like that. We're doing that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think that might be why he relates with all the, the old school classic rockers, because yeah. that was kind of their M.O. back in the day. Um, Iggy Pop at the top of that list. Oh, yeah, for, for sure.
0: sure. Um, so, so, yeah, so I, I walked into this kind of just based on this almost lore that the album had in the time it's been out because I it hasn't been out that long I think it came out uh, towards the beginning of this year so it's been it it, it hasn't been out that long but I've heard people talking about it you know I mean whenever a classic rocker puts out something new there's always kind of a hype behind it and considering the collaboration on top of it I definitely wanted to check, but it of out. course, this didn't have a hype behind it. It
2: had a hype ahead of it ahead because of it, yeah. uh, there was it was just a sudden release, um, which we did have one other on the. We did Beyonce by Beyonce, and that was another sudden release, which yeah. we had to kind of do impromptu
0: because it was just so released. It had come out a couple days before we recorded yeah. it. Yeah, and you kind of sprung it on us, well, a little salty still. Well, years it, later. It was one of those things where it's like this, it was a it was absolutely a media event. Beyonce is one of the most well-known singers right now, especially in pop, if not period, and this was something she released behind the backs of the record studio. Like she did it with Jay-Z and that was about it. Like and and whatever guests were featured on it. Like there was no knowledge of it, and so that was really interesting to me cuz that doesn't really happen a lot, especially from really big stars to go behind your record label to do something that's fiercely independent, at least in theory, if nothing else, because of what you typically do, it just made a lot of sense to. Review. But it goes
2: to show Iggy Pop really doesn't care, because I feel like at this stage in the game, people aren't even really eyeballing Iggy Pop maybe for the next big release. No. Can't wait for album number eighteen.
0: I mean, maybe <laughs> I don't. I don't honestly know. It's tough to gauge. I feel like before we get into the album, just a, smi- a minor tangent. Like bands like Aerosmith and Rolling Stones and all these bands who've been around a while. I feel like it can go either way. You have the devoted fans who are hanging on every word, and then the fans who are like, well, man, they're around. They'll put out something else, you know. I think it kind of go either way. That's true. I don't want to diminish the Iggy
2: Pop fan base at this <laughs> point. It's <laughs> just uh, it, it was very interesting, because it, he's not a, an artist I had heard from recently and never would have known that he was still making music. Yeah, his uh, last album was only 2013, so it wasn't that long so ago. So he's,
0: uh, he's still going. And let's see what he's got to say in... Break into your heart. There we are. So this is track one, and... Uh, I don't even know how to start describing this. So, the instrumentation here, I mean, is v- kind of very basic. Ro- as basic rock and roll as you can kind of get. But with a twist, because yeah. I feel
2: like he's trying to snake charm you in a way. A little like bit. Like, you have kind of a, a synth doubling with a guitar, or it feels like mm-hmm. it's maybe one guitar or two, or at least one is very distorted, and I believe that's uh, the synth. But they're split between each ear, and it's a very direct message but it's also kind of hazy it's hinting at major going up and then minor going down it creates kind of a middle eastern feel just just a little bit but ultimately i think it's really the words that have this charming effect i'm gonna break into your heart i'm gonna crawl under your skin i'm gonna break into your heart and follow till i see where you begin this was where i just i just couldn't get on board with this (laughs) track
1: Because notwithstanding. Lyrics notwithstanding. Not it's the vocals that really throw me for a loop. And it's mostly because of something I haven't really got to complain about in a very long time, and that is the toy mic reverberation that seems to be going on with his vocal. Yeah, work. that is a curious choice, isn't it? It's it's a it's a little bit too echo, a little bit too hollow, and it it really does de impact what's being said. It it does, it does a lot to, to stifle it, to really push it down and, and let things trail off. But what's being said here Needs to be forceful. I'm going to break into your heart. This is an affirmation. But he's not doing it in such a way as to feel like an affirmation. It feels wishy-washy. It feels like, I kind of want to do this. Meanwhile, it's I mean, just a mean But it does guy. add to
2: the snake charming effect. I feel like you kind of have to have a little bit of a softer approach. Yes, you can have a soft approach. But the lack of, like, the purity in
1: the voice, the lack of that pure harmony going on with the voice, that distorted effect... Takes me out of it. it. It doesn't feel like it's meshing well with, with the synth part, with the guitar part, the more n- like pure guitar part. Well, I, I will
2: agree with you on one point, but I'll let Matt go first before he's before he explodes. <laughs> well, I just want
0: to say that Iggy Pop. I mean, while your complaints are valid, I mean. You know, we try not to step on each other's feelings towards the song, especially if it kind of rubs us the wrong way. But the reality is Iggy Pop, this is how he sings. He's always kind of saying that I'm a ghost who's haunting you voice. But it's usually a more natural approach, and it does come later in the album. I mean, it's true. It's not as heavily um, echoed as it is here. Usually there's a little less echo, but there's always that kind of spoken word, telling you a story kind of feel. I mean, you know, think Tom Waits and... And, and Bob Dylan and, and, and Lou Reed and, and Johnny Cash Johnny Cash I mean like a lot of these artists who at different points in the career very much did very storytelling very matter of fact singing very deep kind of stuff and so you know it's not super foreign especially for Iggy Pop but I I do agree that it was too much here I did like the vocals later, though, because in the choruses, Josh comes in and harmonizes with him, and I love his voice. I'm, it's one of my favorite things about the Queens of the Stone Age, so I did enjoy that. It kind of, they did meld together very well. Well,
2: the chorus is a different matter, but since you're on the verses, I mean, I, I can accept, personally, I can accept his singing style at this stage. That's not really what bothered me, and I don't think that's the point that John was bringing up. It's, it's less his vocals plain and simple but really the effect that's being laid on top of yeah, it. Yeah. I do think it sounds a little cheap that that kind of toy microphone as he, as he referred to it. It it's it does sound like the kind of thing you pick up in Toys R Us, like the Dr. Dre mic that that's not going to do autotune, but it's going to have the reverb that it lays on with the autotune. It's a, it's a weird choice, but that that in itself still contributes to the whole little charming effect here. The the point which I really agree with John on was actually uh, the case of the instrumentation in the background, because of course, in the very beginning, as long as it would stay hazy, you have a chance at this actually being successful. But once the rock really steps forward, I can't, I can't say lets loose or breaks out because it's it's very weak. It's kind of a slow groove, fit more for a jam, but there's no jam present. It's just these repeating patterns that alone, I don't think, I don't think served to completely hypnotize me, but rather just like all right. That's a musical choice. That's something it's a backdrop with which to just sit here, you know, for a while with it's 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 strange and I don't think it's really doing anything to me one way or the other. It's an oscillation back and forth at the end of the day, because it
1: does have that hypnotizing effect, but it's more of a Drone isn't quite the right word because drone would feel a little bit too steady for no, this. No, it's, it's, it it's not a drone because there are several low. things.
2: There's several things going on. But, you got the guitar, for instance, which is still doubling against that that synthy thing, um, which actually also doubles with his vocals, which is kind of a nice choice and does serve to bolt beef it up a little bit. Uh, and then the drums are in the mix from the beginning and uh, throughout the verse. Uh, but that's really about the only thing that was different from the intro. Uh, and we just kind of chill in this little mixolydian region for a while. Uh, it's not overtly. Slow, but it does feel a little slow because so little is happening.
1: It's it's uh, akin to say Pink Floyd using a, a muted clock sound or the opening for Goodnight Saigon which is just a helicopter blade coming yeah. in just a woof, 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 kind of a thing it's a little bit more elongated than what I'm kind of used to for those sound bites but yeah, because on top of those on top of those there's more that's added on to to keep that drone to transform that drone that oscillating
2: effect into something that does does just Expand. That's just the thing, because it takes a while for that next thing to arrive. Like I think it was already about almost nearly two minutes into the track before we finally start changing from this this verse structure. Uh, we get kind of this uh, out of tune piano feel around like eh, one minute fifty seconds. And it doesn't really contribute, but it does add another little element. It feels like a like a spinet piano almost. It's it's not something that is, feels really stage ready. I don't know if that really adds anything, but it, it's something else. And then finally we get the pre-chorus proper. Still not much has changed except that you get that chanting in the background and a couple more. The chords are pushing forward a little bit here and then finally uh, the part I really liked uh, was this intro to the chorus and this is where the vocals start taking off and it's not the 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 meat of the chorus first it's actually just around 2 minutes 30 seconds just this drone this oh and all on a ninth chord here where they take the ninth that really steps it up from where we were in the verse and I like that one moment but took a while to get here two minutes 30 seconds in before I finally have that one thing to latch on to that's a beautiful moment before they launch into the chorus properly I'm gonna break into your heart I'm gonna break into your heart and they just keep on repeating that but it has that 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 element to, and he feels like he's singing more now. He's not just doing the the Lou Reed thing where he's just kind of... Meandering. Yeah, meandering, speaking in his low register. This is not speak singing anymore, he's belting it. And yet, the f- best part for me of of the whole track is when it
1: really breaks down at the end and he goes Johnny Cash, which is why I mentioned him. He gets into that storyteller singing aspect that I really like, that very low end, very just up against the mic. Not in the mic, not like he's talking in your ear, but... When everything strips enunciation, away. Enunciation, it's like the... F- it's, it, yes, it's the final focus just on that microphone and everything else starts to fade around him. And it's just him, it's just... It's just the persona of of this lead at this moment, and I
2: love that. I really like that, and... I think he's saying the same lyrics, too. I'm going to break into your heart, I'm going to crawl under your skin, I'm going to break into your heart, and follow till I get under your skin, and the wall comes tumbling down, and you finally let me in, I'll break into your heart. Kind of just, that, that it just slips away at the tail end there. Um. Yeah, that was a curious choice, and I did feel Johnny Cash really heavily in this one moment, because the mixing has so suddenly changed. You're right, you don't have the the toy microphone anymore, it's just him closely on the microphone with very little layering going on. Um, I don't know what overall effect this first track really had on me, except (laughs) to maybe in its entirety, just because so little happened, I guess I was charmed a little bit, but more just eyebrow raise. Only one eyebrow raised, and only a little bit. Not like full-on arch. So not like the mean, yeah. like the
0: big eyebrow, like... Yeah,
2: just, just a slight furl. Just
0: a furl. Just a furl. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I think that as far as intro tracks go, this is probably w- 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 the least functioning intro track as far least as... Least enticing, Yeah, well, because uh, you, you would think an intro track, like even last week's album that Katie brought us, uh, The Struts, like that first track was intriguing. Whether was you liked like it or hype, had it. hype, hype, well, hype, Well, not hype. even the hype part. It was the fact that it just, it did some interesting things that hold you in. Even if you weren't on board for what the band was doing, it was at least a curiosity that made you want to hear more. Whereas this track I was just kind of like Steve said, I was just slightly curious and mostly my curious curiosity was sustained again by the pedigree that the album has, not necessarily the content.
2: That's a fair point. I mean, I do think it's maybe apples and oranges in, in some respect. Sure. Only because, you know, last week's album is fresh on our mind. It was a pop album, and it, yeah. it, 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 it was very straightforward in being, all right, this is radio play. At right. least nothing about this is really
0: saying right. it's going to get on the I, I, I on stations. I was purely just comparing the intro tracks in how they engaged us, not the quality of the content or the content itself. No, I
2: understand that. Uh, but maybe I was slightly more affected by this track uh, okay. than last week uh, just because it did did give me a little bit of a climax there with that that ninth chord. I thought it was particularly beautiful and it set me up very well for a chorus, and I it it made the chorus seem more substantive than any of the choruses did last week. Perfect. So that was that was the big difference as of this point. But then uh, we go to track two, Gardenia, which is interesting because this actually is probably one of the only tracks in this entire album which I would say kind of does fall under the radio play vibe. Mm-hmm. There's something very... It just kind of erupts. It has lot, a, not a lot more energy than the last track, but probably mo- more energy more than upbeat. most tracks It on seems more album.
0: upbeat for it's sure. It's an
1: indie rock track. Well, it's not just an indie rock track. I mean, indie rock I would have in expected... The beginning. In the, in the beginning. beginning, yes. But I would have expected the... Especially the
2: guitar, but everything to be a little bit more, you know, playful. Well, it speaks to the to the characters that are present. Obviously, we have Queens of Stone Age and and Arctic Monkeys, who I generally just loosely lump into the field of indie rock because uh, it's as good a place as any for them to be. Um, it's it's pop but it's also it affords them some some freedom uh and and there is some freedom to be had here following this opening uh segment which is a little bit of a, a wall noise it's just kind of just straight on strumming and then we get the bass in the background which once everything else strips away and you don't have that wall noise anymore the bass kind of stands on its own and i thought this was a pretty neat choice but only for a while, because it's like a lone wanderer. It doesn't have any friends. It doesn't have anything to to attach itself to, mm-hmm. apart from his voice. Which at this part, at, at this point in the album, it, he's completely devolved. Even beyond like the Lou Reed, we're talking more like a drunk Dean Martin at this point. <laughs> he's just he's just meandering around down there, Dean Martin at, at his drunkest. In fact, and and all you have b- apart from that is just these guitar accents that I just mean- kind of barely frame the bass a little bit. But otherwise, the bass is easily the most interesting part. But it's only interesting, it only captures my attention for... 30
1: seconds? And this track has a lot more than 30 seconds going for it, and the bass doesn't change. Or, if it does shift, it shifts so subtly over such a long period of time that... After a while, it becomes the drone that I didn't want to use in the first track. I, this is
2: this is just a drone of the percussion. It is the thing that bass. I have most to relate with for the duration of the verse. Um, and also, I remember Matt, you 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 had a different take on the vocals because I, I I think you said it. he's it sounded like he was emulating
0: David Bowie to some a extent. A little bit. I I would say that the way he was lilting and the way the style in which he was singing. Which is D- funny because I said a drunk Dean Martin <laughs> and he went to David Bowie. But it's like a
2: really weak David Bowie.
0: Well, it's not even a matter of strength. I think it's just stylistically the way he was pronouncing and and speaking. It was just the cadence itself. Reminded me of David Bowie on some of his tracks. The way he would kind of speak and then sing out a little bit. Actually, He this did one, a bit of that. This one really reminded me of The Passenger. It, it did feel
1: like it was that that far back. Uh, it, it, he was using his... I I don't know the way to term it, but his ghost voice, his kind of vibrating
0: after effect that he throws at the end of phrases. The the storytelling vibe here was for sure there, and... There wasn't as much heavy echo reverb as the first track, which was great as well. I also see more the the David Bowie thing maybe in the chorus because yes. also there there's, well, that's a, exactly there's a falsetto really
2: there's a falsetto that is added um, uh, in the background and maybe the combination of the two give off more of a Bowie vibe. But also the yeah you're right the cadence of the melody itself made the chorus feel much more much warmer than than the verse and I, I, I at least I liked this as a as a place to be. I could sit here for a while. Um, no 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 I can't. But no not the
1: chorus new no, Anymore, no. yeah? it's it's too buzzy it's too i don't know how else to describe it it feels a little bit too aimless like yeah you could sit here but you're gonna be sitting here not really doing much of anything that's that's the whole thing there's there's not a whole lot going on here there's not a whole lot of of highs or lows or anything like that well, it's just, all he wants it's sort to of do, do is tell shit.
2: gardenia what to do
1: tonight yeah
2: and that's that's the
1: extent of it in two repetitions of that, cut. go to the next verse, go to the next chorus. It, two repetitions it, it, of that. Now that um, bothers me here. Since
2: you brought that up, that is pretty interesting because this really does cycle all the way up to, to three verses. Um, okay, it's not like that's that's out of this world, but it is. It, it Because there is so much repetition within the riffs themselves, it made it seem like that was just one too many. Um, but it's interesting because they, they they do different things as we go through the motions. But each and every time, I didn't expect it to constantly anchor back, like oh, more verse, more more content, interesting. Um, like for instance, after the the first chorus, we we'll go into verse two where he uh, continues. Actually, I, I should start reading from verse one because let's start to get into the story here. Gardenia, where are you? Black goddess in a shabby raincoat. Where are you tonight? Cheap purple baby doll dress, a gardenia in your hair. Much taller and stronger than me. A forbidden dream, a dream, a dream. And then enter chorus. All I want to do is tell gardenia what to do tonight. Uh, Second verse. Gardenia, where are you tonight? The streets were your home. Now where do you roam? Your hourglass ass and your powerful back. Your slant devil eyes and the ditch down your spine. Deep as, deep as. Enter chorus. All I want to do is tell gardenia what to do tonight. Um, it's obviously in ode of sorts, but the funny thing is that after that, we have the bridge, and the bridge really starts taking us out to full-blown rock at this point. Maybe not, again, nothing on this on this album is brash, but at the same, but at the same time, this does have a guitar solo, and it, it, it coexists with some solid bridge material, with uh, lyrics. We lay in the darkness, then she turned the lights on, I saw a dangerous habit. When she turned the lights on, there's always a catch in the darkness. When you when you turn the lights on, there's always a catch. Oh well, oh well, oh well. But now in the background here, the guitar not only is it soloing, but it's 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 doing something a little bit more freeform. But it feels as if it is just slightly constrained, as if the it's doing the best it can within this framework of a track, which otherwise is always pivoting back and forth, first chorus, first chorus, and it is allotted. It's 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 uh, 20 seconds of fame here, and it's trying to steal the spotlight in in some sense. And I almost wish the vocals weren't there, because I'm more interested in this guitar at this point. I wish it was just developing, but it's rare for me to find uh, a track where these two things would coexist, where you just have the solo over the bridge and both are equally important, and I think it made each portion less important. I don't think either one took the spotlight, and that was the problem. Yeah, it muddied the water,
1: and I would have enjoyed that guitar, and this, you're right, it's the first time it feels like it's less constrained. Not unrestrained and allowed to run rampant and free and everything. Blurred
2: like that. by the vocals, I Yeah.
1: Would say. it's the first time though that, that I'm not gonna say it's just a little bit too even of with that oscillation back and forth, sticking with the theme and going with it. It's the first time we're getting solo. I want more of that. And it takes a long time on this album for more that. You want more of, 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 of what?
2: Of, the solo, of instrumentation, that's of just breaking thing. free. Once it ends, we finally get our third verse here. And the, the only difference, the only bit difference I notice with the third verse is that his vocals now are a little bit looser. Now he's really just speaking, and he's very... It feels like there's been some degradation, but it's been subtle, considering that, you know, I I feel like I've almost forgotten the first verse at this point, but by the time we got to the end, it's really just seems like it's degraded. Alone, in a cheapo motel, by the highway to hell, America's greatest living poet was ogling you all night. You should be wearing the finest gown, but here you are now, gas, food, lodging, poverty, misery, and gardenia. You could be burned at the stake for all your mistakes 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 and then final chorus it's it there seems to be obviously some degradation even just in the course of the story here because it seemed as if she was on a pedestal gardenia well right. put a gardenia in your hair, but it, I, I take it as the as the name gardenia right. and then by the end it's like uh, a cheap object that's that's what it, it this has come down to and his vocals reflect that at least so there's the theme <laughs> <laughs> for a song for a song, I don't know if you have any opinions on
0: it. I, I'm just kind of along for the ride at this point. Well, I think I am too. We can uh, move on to track three, "American Valhalla." So, this song. I mean, so so the intro has a xylophone and it's a little quirky playing around.
1: We think it's a xylophone. No, in the
0: intro, I'm pretty confident it is. Later on, the xylophone mimics the guitar work, but here I'm pretty confident it's a xylophone being struck. I would actually
2: just amend that. I'm not sure if it's really of a xylophone. It doesn't quite have the timbre of a xylophone. It feels like but it it's has a, a sharp attack of one. Yeah, it, it has. It, it almost feels like glass, though. It feels okay. like like an instrument that was fashioned and that isn't even real. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not sure a hundred percent, but. It has it has my attention, well, and, and more so than anything up to this point. It's promoting a very danger intro, a very apprehensive intro, uh,
1: at least in my ears, because it's it's something akin to a real old school feel of introduction to a film or to a theme or to just at least a scene I don't take it that
2: way at all I actually thought that maybe there was something even a little bit like ancient maybe east asian like because of the fact that the instrument sounded almost foreign to me like it's not it doesn't feel xylophony enough for me to feel like I'm in a comfortable place It's, it's, it's something separate and has a very simple pattern it feels simple enough to be like a kind of ancient rhythmic pattern and it's delicate almost cutesy I don't feel any danger at all with this
0: Uh, I mean, I like, though, that this kind of really quirky intro leads to a deep bass sound that kind of pulls then the rest of the instrumentation in. It it kind of evolves into a fairly straightforward rock song, but at least the intro was doing something a little interesting that made me curious. And it was a very compelling bass groove. Um, It is repetitive, it's all mostly
2: octaves, but it, there's something about it that actually is breaching into catchy, which I've been waiting for and haven't had yet.
1: I, I agree wholeheartedly. I wanted more flair in the bass. I wanted the bass to have a little bit more attention thrown its way, I guess. Just
2: just to get a little more movement in what it was doing? It's mainly the rhythm. It's just this one, two, and three, four, and one, two, and three. With those exact accents, it, it, that's something that at least, may, you know what, maybe if you're just looking at the bass, maybe there's where the danger lies, just a little, just a little, and I'll agree with that much. But then when you contrast that with that high-pitched sound of the instrument that sounds like a xylophone, probably isn't, I don't know, um, could be kalimba, who knows, maybe it's that finger piano thing, never know. And actually, no, I'm, I'm on board with this. It might be that. Maybe, because we heard one recently. Yes. <laughs> we don't hear one a lot. But uh, that contrasts with it to make it to kind of dispel all the danger that I would otherwise feel within the bass. And after that, I, I feel like this is the setup for a really great funk riff. But it really? doesn't quite do that. No, it never really culminates
1: that way. When the vocals step in and have the paralleling kalimba xylophone, what undergoes in this part is a reverb or a doubling. We think it might be a combination of the, the our first xylophone with a guitar. It's it's hard to detect because they seem to be so t- tightly knit that you still have that high attack at the beginning, but that that drone, that that reverb that that toy mic again on the instrumentation itself instead of the
2: vocals. I'm I think it was really just, not on board with this. I think it was just the doubling itself that was um that, that i I actually am going to disagree there. I think I kind of liked, but it's not it's not funk it's just another another element that serves to double the vocals, which is a curious choice because you don't I'm not getting that a lot lately like just hearing instruments that are flat out traveling with the vocals throughout the entire melody. That's something very specific to this album right here, and they've repeated it on on several songs in a row in in various intervals. But I actually liked the fusion between, uh, we're going to call it Instrument X, okay? Instrument X plus the guitar plus the vocals. I'm I'm back to the hypnotized state. Sure, it's not funky, but... It, it is hypnotizing me, and and there was a really great moment within all this, and it was a specific chord change. Because up until now, it's, it had mostly been E minor, just uh, existing in E minor for a while within this one, two, and three and one and then we change it up to C major all right that's curious and then from there we go to a major completely outside of the scale now uh, but within this we have a really cool suspension the uh, the guitar actually travels up from that C sharp inherent in the a major travels up to the D and suspends that D as we go back down to the E which forms the seventh and I thought that was a really great return back to the the, the little strut that this this track started us with. And and you know what? That is six maybe it's not hypnotizing
0: me, but it's successfully putting me in a place. I mean <laughs> I felt more engaged by this song than the previous tracks for sure. And I agree with Steve. I think that the doubling that the instrumentation is doing with the vocals is just something cool that hadn't been happening before and I like it. I also like Higgie Pop's voice for the, that very reason. That when it blends with instrumentation, it has a really cool effect. And that kind of ghostly, echoey sound... And that's just serendipity. Me- yeah, it melds really well. I I just can't
1: get on board with the verses. But the chorus. The chorus work that's going on here is a different beast in my eyes. Because now we're getting guitar work and percussion work that actually is... Changing that really is undergoing some nice movement in it to complement the vocals. Well, I'm really not on board, I'm never going to be on board with that uh, with instrument X, but when instrument X kind of takes a step back and doesn't have. The vocals in mind when it's the guitar that's supporting it, when it's the
2: percussion that's supporting it that I'm on board with it's and that a, I'm really enjoying. It's just an interesting instrument to hate. I mean it, it's I'm so, not, no, no, it's I don't so delicate and harmless. At the
1: At the end of the day I'm not hating the instrument. I don't like the effect it's having on the vocals and that's the root
2: of my problem right there all right, agree to disagree on that point. Uh, as far as the development of this track, that's where I'm kind of a little bit soured because it, once again, really doesn't go anywhere. I, I I admit that they set me up with a groove that I, I was kind of okay with for a while, and they do change up the rhythm a little bit later. Maybe it was the was the chorus or it was the bridge. I'm not sure, but they changed it was up the rhythm. Bridge. To, yeah, it was the bridge where they changed up the rhythm a little bit instead of just having the one, two, and three. Instead now it's one, two, and, and four, and one two, and, and four, and this is like ball chains almost. You can kind of get into the, if there was just a little bit more going on, you could almost dance to this. I don't know if you could though, because it's just it's a little bit too slow for that to really transpire, which puts it in this nebulous middle ground, which uh, kind of throws me back to the beginning of this album, where despite that they introduced things that I liked, it, 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 it's in a nebulous zone where it is not quite pared down enough to hypnotize me, but not quite upbeat enough to get me moving. That that was the overall effect by the end of the track. Yes. Actually, no, that's a, that's
1: a really interesting way of putting it, but I believe the bridge, the bridge itself was high enough to be danceable. It was enough to be danceable, especially with the the way the guitar was cutting. The way it was it was it was really attacking its notes was a
2: really nice contrast to what the percussion was doing and what the bass was well, doing. Well, I'll tell you what, we'll compromise. We'll sit down and we'll kind of move in our chair. Yeah. Yeah? Okay, yeah. No, I'm doing that right now. We're doing that. Let's look at the lyrics here, because uh, this is actually the first time I was kind of intrigued that there was some, some overarching message at play. I have no plans. I have no debts. The mind is not the carefree set. I'm looking for American Valhalla. So if it passes by, give me a holler, please. I've shot my gun. I've used my knife. This hasn't been an easy life. I'm hoping for American Valhalla. But if I have outlived my use, please drink my juice. Innocence. It's so hard to figure out. Innocence. So hard to figure out. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's so hard to figure out. Where is American Valhalla? Death is the pill that's tough to swallow. Is there anybody in there? Who do I have to kill? I'm not the man with everything. I've nothing but my name. And interesting, I want to cut away here, because I've nothing but my name is actually the line that comes back at the tail end of the song, which is the final note that he leaves us on where he everything strips everything strips away completely and and it kind of actually kind of fades it doesn't cut out immediately right. it fades sort of ominously and all you're left with is once again his vocals alone but this time more harrowed i've nothing but my
0: name i'm nothing but my name that's it and and there's no echo no nothing it's just His voice. Uh, Once again, that Johnny Cash movement of up close, personal, into the mic, pure enunciation. It's just a very intimate moment. It was very interesting. It felt the most real of any of the lyrics we would gotten thus far because of. How close to the mic he gets and how there's nothing there but his voice, kind of almost in a bearing your soul kind of a way. And and only because I skipped it, I want to throw in the last
2: lines of the bridge there. Lowly, lowly deeds that no one sees. Lowly deeds that no one sees. Uh, (laughs) this This is a... I think this is a man looking back on his life and feeling somewhat unfulfilled. I don't know. That said, I'm still confused
1: as to what American Valhalla is and what he's actually seeking because... There's, there's some back and forth with, with what Valhalla already is in ancient mythos and what he's kind of making it out to be. He seems I would to be suggest- merging the two together. Like there's some nobility and some like, like martial warfare kind of idea going on and then also dirty deeds done dirt cheap kind of an idea. I... it's
2: back and forth and i'm i'm confused i I'd, I'd suggest that we're back to more of a blurry face situation uh referencing episode 168 21 pilots blurry face where it's more of a meta look at your own art and this is specifically this time from the perspective of of a pop rock musician especially one of the era in which iggy pop grew up in um I think American Valhalla is the ultimate destination for the pop musician. Once that if I have, as he said earlier, if I have outlived my use, please drink my juice a kind of just like, well— throw in the towel because that's the old joke of course pop musicians have their 15 minutes of fame in the case of vicky pop he had quite a longer span of fame than that than that but still eventually it does kind of dwindle and end and hell even if you have a wonderful career eventually you're gonna die that's the best case scenario and and then you have a legacy and i think that there right the legacy is american valhalla the way we revere bygone musicians Bygone pop musicians and what they've imparted. I, I I know that's like kind of a, a tall order, but it sounds I mean, like that's what he's not, angling for. I, I don't
0: think that the song is so unbelievable. That's what every artist wants. I don't like, think it's a you did tall me. order at all.
1: That was me. You totally channeled me right there to go full full explanation on that one. And very good. I like that. Well, Round for that one. No, that that makes complete sense. <laughs> that sounds now. so demeaning. No, no, I, that I, makes I think this is sense. fairly I like intuitive. That. I like that. It works good. Like some of the BS you've pulled. <laughs> hey, hey, but sometimes sometimes I'm right. All right, we'll keep it we'll keep it civil.
0: Well, I I appreciate that we got intuitive with that considering we are not going to with the next track. Aww. 4 is called in the lobby. And so this is This is a song where... Well, all right. I don't want to be harsh on it to to begin with because the the guitar in the intro here is very playful in a way that we haven't really heard before. We're we're getting to watch the guitarist kind of step outside himself a bit and play with some notes and, and have an interesting flow. Although it does loop on itself, it's not as steady as previous guitar lines had been.
2: But let's talk about the most important thing here, and that's the overall atmosphere. Apart from just, yeah, it being definitely a more interesting guitar line, this is the first real throwback I think Mm -hmm. I've I've heard on this album. Because... To be honest, I think Iggy Pop's music so far is aging pretty well. Like, I, I At least as far as this album is concerned, whatever you have to say about choices and art, artistic discretion and quality and nitpicking here and there, it does feel like a, an album that could have existed anywhere within the past, last 40 years, namely sure. this year or 1970, whatever. But this track, this track is different. This track is a straight-up throwback. I feel like I'm in Woodstock at this point. It feels... It feels so underproduced, and that's why I specifically say Woodstock, because there's a, lot, a live feel to this to this track, mm-hmm. almost. Um, and and I, I don't really know how to take that yet. Interestingly, and John pointed this out, he was good enough to kind of break down this track into more of an ABC structure, uh, because I, I can't really see any one section as being prominent enough to be the chorus, although I'm sure that's probably... Uh, uh, the C section. But let's start off with the A section. Um, A section is is what I describe it's more it's more just straight up Woodstock, but then we kind of kick it up with uh, with B. Um, Let's look at the lyrics specifically in the a breaking the chain in the lobby in ocean of bodies. And then there's me and I hope I'm not losing my life tonight. And all, everything picks up. The drums really get going for for this, this B section. And it's all about the hang, and it's all about the crowd that hangs, and it's all about the hook. Again, seeming to, to identify the, the almost cliched components of what composes the pop song. I'm not a fan of how this A and B work together. I, I... was. Mm. A into B, I was. No, no, a into B was really my first disconnect in this track. It didn't last, though, because, once again, uh, cyclical nature. So if you're not down with that, then you're definitely not going to be down with the cyclical nature, which means you're probably a real naysayer.
1: Yeah, I'm not a... I'm... <laughs> the first time is the worst on this track. The first time we go from the A to B. I don't like that real heavy tonal shift because it's a little bit too meta when he's talking about the hook he's he's going into that hook it's a little bit too meta to really change your track that dramatically
2: without in my eyes a a, a, a setup for it well this is not even the hook yet i mean then it seems to go back to the a section as he only, says only in passing though
1: yeah. because this a section is it shows up heavily in the C. The C
2: section feels like integration of the two of them. But we're not there but we're not there quite yet, because he does kind of loop back the A and the B first. Like he goes back yeah. to somebody is losing their life tonight, and there it's back to the kind of woodstocky feel, and then he continues, I followed my shadow and it led me here. What is the problem if I disappear? And I hope I'm not losing my life tonight. And back to the B, you get the drums kicking up again, the guitar really twangy. I, I actually really like this because it does, in some sense, all bring me back, I guess, to the to the time. Not that I'm that old to really remember Woodstock, but it brings me back to that 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 um, music style, which I'm I don't see a lot of, and it's it's nice at least to pay homage, because at least it is only one song within this album. Uh and then following that we get the the C section proper, which is Yeah, I followed my shadow tonight. Out of the light, yeah. I followed my shadow tonight. Out of the light, and that's what I kind of see more as the chorus. And at this point, it, it just seems like it has a little bit more attitude in it, and accents really on the three and the four. Um, I think, as a whole, I see this whole track as like echoes of the classic rock generation. I, I'm, it, that's from a musical p- uh, perspective alone.
0: I mean, and also vocally here, um, he's delivering the lyrics. Again, in the same style that he's been doing through the whole album, but I feel like as we go from track to track, there's less in-your-face echoiness. There's still kind of a little bit of reverb here and there, but it's mostly yeah. for effect. It's not so much just a constant like it had been in previous tracks.
1: Yeah, it phases in and out in certain parts. It's it's like not present here, but then it comes back when the A section gets revisited or the B section gets revisited so-and-so, here, let's do this, here, let's do that. And that's what I feel like the C section really does as a summation for the the track as a whole. It seems to be like, yeah, we're going to touch upon this part of the A section, we're going to touch upon this part of the B section, we're going to put it all together. I don't... Like dislike these transitions from the B to C or from the C back to A that it goes into. That is
2: so strange. You're in the exact opposite for me. Like I, I <laughs> literally, the first A into that B, I was like, all right, I like this, like this uh, kind of rolling drum pattern. I, I, I dig this. It, it's, it feels like it's ramped up the energy, and I was like ready for something else. But then they kind of just play around with it a little. I don't didn't really feel much of anything within the the C section and then when we go back to the A, I feel like this is identical. I've already heard this. This is not introducing anything new. Um, well, and no. and then no, no. just through the motions again. A B C <laughs> I I'm
1: not saying that the A section the the revisits are doing anything different. I'm saying I like the uh, bca as opposed to the ab <laughs> or so on and so forth and we're getting into that letter game that just never works out well in our favor but one thing i do like throughout this whole track even though i feel like it's another one of those underutilized components the bass the bass is nice it's forefront i'm enjoying it when it shows up i want more flair another thing i want but it's doing a really fun job of keeping me sort of engaged not fully engaged not like Oh this is great But Oh yes This This line This I'm following This I'm enjoying This I want more of That's Something I guess But it's really The only thing
2: Mm, I don't know I can't. I can't agree because I, I passed that point. Passed that first transition. This this track just. I, it felt like it showed its cards. It showed its cards too early, and then we were just kind of going through the motions. I mean, it does
0: kind of just repeat on itself. It doesn't really change that much once, like Steve said, it shows its cards. You know, you know what it's going to do, and it does it. It doesn't really change it up. It doesn't really throw any surprises, which is fine. But it doesn't stay as engaging when it does that.
2: Well, let me just. Read the last, one of the little notes that he leaves us on, because of course the B, the section here, it says it's all about the edge, it's all about the fans and kids, and it's all about the sex and it's all about guns, and then like back to the yeah, I followed my shadow tonight out of the light, out of the light, I followed my shadow tonight out of the light, my shadow was walking in front of me, the longer the night. shorter my leash and it's a long long night and i hope i'm not losing my life tonight and then back to that it's all about the kicks it's all about the dancing pricks it's all about the clowns and it's all about the guns um it's a lot of bitterness i it's just it feels a little bit disjointed, though, but it seems to maybe relate the fact that, I guess, followed by every little spell of anger, you have more of a moment of reflection and consideration. And then back to the anger, you know, and then just the rage at society, and then and then, then reflecting your position at it all. I, I think that's what it's trying to do, which is musically, it felt a little bit disconnected uh, from, from everything. Well there is one one point of connection we have in this
1: track and it actually is a connection to the next track Sunday because towards the end of in the lobby we get we get some real nice attitude guitar something something we were
2: not really prepared for now that's interesting because I was going to say just the opposite thing about uh, yeah all right it's got attitude sure I think it's got a touch-too-much attitude. I think that that ending section kind of got a little bit annoying. It, it made a fairly sic- cyclical and getting-to-be-predictable track in, in into the anti-earworm, the one that you don't want to you're Like, I can not know. I don't know. I was, I was done with it. Which is why Very I quick. think— That's why I, I thought it was actually connected
1: to Sunday as opposed to in the lobby. Because Sunday— Track 5 would right. be nothing without the guitar work that's going on in there. Oh, well, that is true. And this guitar work is the first time where it feels like leashes are off. That it's first first time the guitar is actually unchained. It's like the antithesis of that single note chord pieces that we were getting in previous tracks. It's just pure unaccenting
2: accents. This is... <laughs> It's just a, f- a solid riffing through line throughout the entire track. It's Over... very it's very rounded. The drums yeah. are just like this this one and a two and a three and a four and a one. It's got a and lot the of motion bass. to it. Ooh, the bass and what the bass is doing here. This is the best part. The best part is the bass because it's nestled so closely. It's so attached to the drums in in just in eighth notes this time. Not not on the and a, and a two and a three, but at least the one and two and. But in in the course of that, it it sa- it makes it sound like we're dealing with pitched percussion because. It's so close to the drum, at least when it hits the eighth note, that, that it sounds as if it's affecting the drum or, or that they, the two are one and the same because they are so tight. Because the bass pattern is obviously, it's it's very meandering. It's it's very creative. I, I was loving this so much. And it, it it's almost a very humble thing for a bass to do because you, you'd almost want it to stand out, but you know that it wouldn't have been as good without being thoroughly a part of the drums there. It, it masks itself within the drums uh, which are actually mixed mixed louder than the bass so very very curious setup but it's my favorite backdrop on the entire album but I still go back to that guitar and the guitar that's the second thing yeah oh what it does it doesn't stop uh, well, and that's that's one of my favorite parts. The vocals step in. But, but the let's guitar not say that in, in stop. Let's not say that as if to imply that the guitar doesn't stop because it uh is doing just another riff that is continued. It is it is almost free form throughout the rest of this track. It is it is it is doing its own thing. It seems to be constantly recreating itself, or when it does refer back to a little riff element, then it's always making it a new. This is the essence of comping because it's still not the spotlight. Obviously, the the vocals are the spotlight, and maybe the vocals. Maybe that's the only thing that I was just a little bit. Uh, I I didn't I didn't really care much about it on this track. I didn't. It wasn't a pro. It wasn't a con. They were just there. But I liked the background vocalists because whenever they stepped in, it was like something out of out of like 70s funk, like or background Motown funk they were always coming in on like seventh chords or ninth chords and, and this beautiful falsetto to them uh later on it sounded like they were supplanted by female vocalists unless that was just a really impressive falsetto but uh so many things are coming together in this track it, it's it's the most layered track by leagues over everything else i i ca- almost couldn't process it this uh well, not late on the album but track five it threw
0: me for a loop i right. The only thing I would nay-say about this track is I think that the vocals, because they didn't really stand out, because they didn't seem to be saying anything that stood out either, I felt they weren't really adding anything to the track. Iggy's vocals. Yeah, almost to the point where... Why have vocals? And and I know you had argued a bit that they did blend well enough that they added to the track and they were like an instrument, but I don't know. I felt like they were more distracting from the song. I love the instrumentation so much in this track, and then the vocals are kind of just there, and it it just felt a little mm, disconnected. I would
1: say the story aspect, the lyric aspect, is definitely the low point on this track for me, because it's just it seems a little bit haphazard with what's going on.
2: Well, I'll let you take that, but just to comment on what Matt said, I do think that the vocals, I did preview it as being my least favorite element, but I I think it's one of those deals where when you pull out from the song and just view it at a glance, I'm not sure the rest of this stuff would have worked without there being some kind of benign central figure, as much of an oxymoron as that sounds. I think that makes it sound like all the other instruments are swirling around it in a sense. And if the vocals weren't there, if there was nothing just saying words, then everything else would almost kind of wash over you. And you feel like it has more importance next to the vocals, and that gets framing it. That's the way I I viewed it after the fact. Actually, that does speak a
1: lot to the story that's going on. I just want the story to be stronger because at the end of the day, it it is an idea of working 9 to 5, living for the weekend, living for Sunday. Sunday is the day of rest. Sunday is the day you get away from all the corporate BS, and there are a lot of illusions towards the corporate BS. This house is as slick as a senator's statement. This job is a masquerade of recreation. Like a wreck, I'm sinking fast. The key to everything, I crawl for Sunday. When I don't have to move, caught up in dreams, untangled one day. Where I don't have to prove, the days roll on. And finally Sunday, a Sunday afternoon. I've got it all, but what's it for? But getting some more, always ready, always steady, and always ready, and always steady, and... The street is as cold as a corporate lawsuit. I mean, he's going through some allusions towards a lot of things, a little bit of metaphor here, a little bit of metaphor there, but it's not super impactful. One of the elements that comes back is that kind of xylophone, guitar-esque you know, instrument X drone. Here, I'm yeah. liking it a lot more because there's more going on, but it's, it does weaken the vocals. It does calm them. In this kind of cacophony
2: that's going on around him. Well, one thing I can say for the lyrics you just read is that sounds like things are swirling around him and he's just trying to make sense of it all, in which case the framework would make a lot more sense, really. Um, but he also sounds like he's kind of at the bottom of his, uh, of, his, of his barrel here. The street is as cold as a corporate lawsuit. A pride I can't jive is telling me to wipe my boots. I'm a wreck. What did you expect? Uh, do they do what they say and then do what they say? Go back. Do what they say and then do what they say. Go back. And this is this is kind of part of a transition. Um, where where this is where I think I heard the the female what sounded like female focused on the background. And this is the the. Uh, not Iggy's vocals, but this is the the, the the muse. Something speaking from afar. Do what they say, and then do what they say. Go back. I don't know. The man? <laughs> but those female vocals...
0: The man she, is female vocals. <laughs> to, to, <laughs> further, to further argue against your vocal point.
1: Because up until this point, it was kind of droning. Well, yeah, but
0: I said that it was only in the verses that I didn't like it. I agreed with Steve. The choruses and the harmonizing... And this is transmission. Always all good. It's chilling. Okay. Yeah. This transition was just expertly done because when those female
1: vocalists first step in it doesn't prepare you but it sort of does prepare you for what's coming next because they go through the do what you say part and they go through it a few times few times and he steps in do what they say and do what they say till sunday until i'm
2: black and blue oh what can i do and then it's it and, and, and another touchstone I, may interrupt, I so believe so. over all of this you have probably the most densely packed layer yes, of, of the all where everything is this is where the guitar is it guitars seemed like there were like two, two or three different guitars at some point this they might have done and this and,
1: always ready always steady and always ready always steady that, that kind of like touchstone to the previous but allowing the guitars to really get complicated and then yeah. the repetition of got all I need and it's killing me and you got all I need he steps back it actually steps back and lets the female vocalist take Forefront.
2: And one it's of, the one most of the tasteful <sighs> fade-outs. I mean... We, it's we, not just a fade-out, We make out, a lot though. of jokes about fade-outs, like, as they would appear, let's say, at the end of the track. You know, to just fade it off into existence, because the track is eternal. We make a lot of jokes about that, because it comes up a lot. And normally, it's just... It's a device for artists to use. But this was not used in that sense, because it wasn't used to just end the track. It was used for a, a rather poignant transition. Um where everything fades not all at once but in layers just the first set of vocals and then the others leaving the final bit got all i need and it is killing me and you got all i need and it is killing me and you and from here enter chamber orchestra (laughs) maybe it's even larger than that it's somewhere in between like somewhere in between the chamber or uh, a chamber ensemble and and a full-blown orchestra but it's it's a waltz we completely shift the, the 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 time signature here but at the same time the melody is being somewhat echoed and John was good enough to point that out because I I, I didn't hear it in in uh First and foremost, I, I just heard, like, okay, this mind-blowing instrumentation change, But then all of a sudden I realized that it is actually echoing the overall melody, which actually it kind of does bring together. You couldn't have this if, 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 for instance, you completely edited out Iggy's vocals. You wouldn't have yep. had that, that callback. Well, not even Iggy's vocals. It's the backup
1: female vocals that do it. That final rendition. Or the really good falsetto. Yeah, <laughs> I've got all I need and it's killing me and you. Is the actual instrumentation of this orchestral piece? Right, it is that the was
2: actual piece. Itself. I think he was doing it, and then they were doing it, and then and,
1: and then it's the... in it's in the slowdown that those backups were doing as it was winding down. They elongated their phrasing, and it became a waltz right before the orchestra stepped in with a waltz, and it was it was expertly set up because by introducing them less than a minute prior, but giving you a familiar idea with these. These backups, introducing it at that point and then letting it
2: feed out, feed out and become a focal point was just so well done. It was three wonderful segments, just back to back, and each transition perfect. Because otherwise, I, I, it wouldn't
1: work. Otherwise, it just couldn't have worked. No,
2: it it shouldn't have worked. It is the most antithesis of one another I've heard that still works so beautifully. I gotta say, this track. Maybe one of my favorite tracks that has ever appeared on an album that is otherwise kind of just washing over me, yeah. like I feel like we're kind of just coasting throughout all this, and then all of a sudden uh, like I almost don't know how to how to process this track in relation uh to everything else i'm I'm gonna attempt to see how it how it works with the tracks that follow, but uh that's gonna be a tough
0: task track six vulture so vulture takes us. To an interesting place, considering how the last track ended. This starts with uh, very much just a very close-to-the-mic acoustic guitar, ominous chords. I mean, you're writing a song called Vulture, and it kind of feels that way. It's almost a tuning session kind of an idea, because it seems ever so slightly off key and i like it it adds a little bit of apprehension to it and then very closely after that vocals come in and this is the least echo we've ever heard on on iggy's vocals so far and it's like he's right up against the microphone just getting really intimate and telling you this story and i think it's a nice pairing it's interesting to me because it kind of feels very campfire tale almost and but also being that if it, if it
2: is a campfire tale, it feels like in the context of the album, this track exists as a kind of joke. Like it doesn't feel very serious, and that's why I can't really take any of that the the threatening elements seriously. I, after all, it's not you know, we don't have death metal here, we have acoustic guitar. It's not, I understand that that has been used to wonderful avail in the history of acoustic guitar. Even with the steel string sound, you get some accents going there. It can, it can set a nice uncomfortable stage. And in this case, it's just created by these, these accents mainly on the one and like the two and one. And, one, and. This kind of mock threatening, but it's too thin for it to do anything for me. Uh, But I do agree that his vocals may add something. But if they weren't also kind of plain in their way, and I mean that mixing wise now. Granted, without the the reverb, I I think because this is mixed so so straightforward, you could you. It could do either thing for you. It could either sound so natural that it's unnerving, or it could sound so natural that it contrasts with everything else and takes you out of the album, thus making it a a, a joke, a, a separate and apart from the album entirely. It's a little bit of a joke, content-wise. That's kind of what led me in that direction, to boot. Because it wasn't really ominous, it's
1: sort of just creating an old-school Western. And this old-school Western is all about explaining the evil Baron, or in this case, the vulture, But the Vulture is such an obvious character for something else, or someone else, an executive that gets somewhat named later on in that third verse that shows up. But it's kind of heavy-handed, and when the chorus steps in with the percussion, which I think the drums do in fact add a lot, the first time I'm going to say they add a great context to what's going on right here. It's so heavily Western, though, that it feels like that joke. It feels so Robber Baron twiddling his his mustache, you know, tying ladies to tracks and letting trains run them over while Silver is, you know, off
2: doing whatever the hell he does. Oh, it's really hard not to laugh, though, when the chorus comes, because then he just bursts out, Vulture, and then this, ooh. The, the, he, the, vocally, the, the yes. The falsetto not, in the background actually yeah. is kind of echoing him also, and, and it's it's so over-the-top next to what he was doing in, in the, the verse that I feel it, there's a lot of musical comedy that's just inherent within this. Um, and of course, those lyrics. Fat black vulture, white head hung low, chewing dead meat by the side of the road. His evil breath smells just like death. He takes no chances, he knows the dances. Vulture. <laughs> Ooh. Um, but it's aside, just... aside from the actual content of the course. I like the church bells
1: idea that's going on right here. I like the kind of high noon feel that's going on. I don't
2: like the electric guitar. That feels like an oddball choice that doesn't a hundred percent mesh. with It's me. just well, yeah. When you get that, that sort of interlude, it's just a lone guitar just kind of whining in in the background. It actually reminded me of something out of uh, uh, "Light My Fire" by by the Doors, um, where which is a nine minute ordeal, and somewhere within that, you have this this lone guitar that has a like similar like a similar timbre, a similar tone and and whammy effect to it. That it it also feels very. Like, it's a reflection, let's say, of like, Jim Morrison's, uh, In a graveyard, cold and quiet, um, Hate to leave your sacred lay. And this is very much, it, it gives me the same feel, and maybe it, this, there's also that, in that same way, you can't take it seriously, because, well, really? Really, Jim Morrison? Were you really there? Actually, I think he was, incidentally, but it's hard to take it seriously, next to the fact it's still a rock song.
0: I don't know. I think this song, though, all of that said, has a lot more character and atmosphere than other previous tracks. I at least feel like I am somewhere listening to this, and excluding Sunday because that's an anomaly. At least in this track, I feel I get the Western vibe. I feel like I'm around a campfire or in the verses, not so much in the chorus, because the chorus is a lot goofier. But I feel like it at least conveys the setting, which most of the other tracks don't really
1: do at all. Well, that's because this is the first like characterization we're getting on the album, as opposed to sort of a nebulous... Setting with a nebulous including
2: his reflections on, yeah, on life and general opinions on society this this is, is
1: not a protagonist who's outside himself trying to think about his life right. this is a person he's trying to describe, and he's describing it very well and he 's describing it through narrative and through and through metaphor but um, there is one like it's not the greatest song in the world, but it 's not the worst song in the world like it really isn't a nice little area of just being, oh, this is this is enjoyable, until we get to the end, and in my opinion, the end's a bit much. Oh. It's a lot going on, and his last whoa is is impressive for someone his
2: age, and probably impressive for somebody anybody's okay, age. Okay, I'll admit that. It should, it should come but, time that we say uh, Iggy Pop, when he does start belting it, it is impressive only because you don't expect that he can do that, given that he's usually... He kind of just it sounds like he could barely talk but yet he can sing which is interesting and he
1: just goes on with this and it's a pretty long 30 second you know bit at the end that's just like alright calm down man calm down you did not set up this epic you did not set up this villain to be big not from so the beginning big. no absolutely no. in fact he kind of goes down he kind of gets deflated by the end when you start realizing no it's not the vulture in an old west cartoon no it's some jerk that that, that screwed him over or screwing over the the the, the idea of music in mainstream or what have you. Of course. He, Continuing, it's, it's vulture it's actually, waiting
2: for a life to end, proving the prophet he's nobody's friend. If he gets near your bones, he'll clear. He'll jump your bandwagon till it's your corpse he's dragging. And then the next verse, fat black vulture, he has got no shame. He'll tell a lie, che- cheat, steal, and frame... Uh, his poison whiff will kill you stiff. This toxic executive once your guts in his grip.
1: Yeah, by that point, it actually deflates the villainy that's going on right here. Because it's not, like I
2: said, it's not the cartoon. It's actually a person who's just a dick. At the end of the day, that's it. He's a toxic
0: executive. He's no good. No and, good. Toxic yeah. person. Get him out of your life. Which I mean,
2: is less fantastical.
0: Yeah, but I don't mind that. I feel like starting yeah. fantastical and then leading it to reality is something a lot of songs do. No, but it not started
2: non-fantastical, and then well, I don't know. It, 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 it was never set up to for the joke to really like completely hit me. Yeah, that, and that's my problem. The punchline being that big belt at the end just doesn't feel like it
1: lives up to to the to the, the story that was built right here. Rex Marksley is a great example a steam power draft two cent show. Back in episode uh thirty nine great tall tale that did a lot to build up the fantastical character of Rex Marksley. He started off as a kid with a guy. Yeah, episode. but I don't
0: think this is the same... Here is taking
1: f- the exact opposite approach and it's still trying to hit that same punchline of epicness. Uh,
0: I feel like you're comparing apples and oranges. I don't think it was ever intended to be as epic as that. something like Rex Marksley was. And that's my complaint. Oh, well, you're complaining He's about...
2: saying it would have... Been, John is saying it would have been funnier had it gone a little bit bigger. But everything okay. in this album so far is only going... In, unless you're Sunday... Then it only goes so far, and I, I can't comprehend that. So far, there have been so many instances here where really layering that this is where it would have excelled. This is where it would have pushed themes of songs further down. The heist, Jimmy Iovine, the way that track ends with him just
1: deadpanning Macklemore and Lewis, the very last of the lines, that would have worked here. That could have worked here because it would have, it would have destroyed the power of the villainy which is what it did with the heist. The villainy here just feels childish.
0: I guess. I don't know. I don't feel like it was ever... I feel like we're comparing it to things that it's not trying to be, though, and that's where my hesitance is. I think... Uh, uh, the whole album, he's been very matter-of-fact. So for him to go big here, just besides, again, Sundays. But if the
2: whole album, he's been matter-of-fact, then why have this kind of song anyway? That's John's point. Because the it. song, the lyrics, are not matter-of-fact. At least they don't start off that way. He compares him to a dragon. Thank That's you, not Steve. matter-of-fact. Thank you, Steve. You're welcome. <laughs> right. Fair point. Track seven, German Days. Um... Like kind of a kg intro here. The restart intro. The start yeah. an idea, start a melody,
1: and then uh, start it again, start it again, and start it again. I like that. Mm-hmm. That's something that does do a good job of grabbing attention.
0: Well, the halting guitar that you're describing is a good starting point. It kind of is an intriguing way to kind of pull people in. In, in the past, for a lot of the other songs on this record, the guitar has been very either straightforward or kind of all over the place and, and freeform. Here, it's kind of diving between both those places. And it's an interesting way to then transition from these kind of halting gu- guitar lines to something more melodic, more kind of just uh, a pretty melody. It, it wasn't... Which,
2: which also includes a straight-up tempo change. I mean, we start off... That that whole jerky section is jerky for a reason. At first, I, I thought it was in 4-4, four, four, but it's not. It's missing just one little beat. It's, if It's in... Eight, eight, if you're counting it that fast. So you could do it in four, you could do it in eight. I prefer to do it in eight. Eight, eight, and then offset by a group of seven. Seven, eight. Eight, eight, seven, eight. Eight, eight, seven eight. So it together rounds out to about 15. But you you do that in in. Uh, Does that in make a, it a 15, eight? Well... Or a 15, 16? That would most likely be counted as eight and then seven and alternating measures of, of, of each. It's a little bit... It's a little bit chewy because of that. It's a little bit intriguing because That's of that. That's why I, I found it very very cagey. Um but then from there, you're right, it does throw into a much more of Kind of a pretty melody, but that's because it's much more rounded at this point. It goes straight into into a group of, of three. It actually sounds like beneath that there are really like three groups of three. Like there was a little triplet thrown on with the the drums in the background there, in which case it would be like a nine sixteen or something like that. But it's still a very stark transition from the intro. And just to kind of do a spoiler on this song, I don't believe we really throw back to that cagey intro until the outro. The whole entire track is bracketed by these sections, uh, just to preview the ending. I love but, it when you talk numbers. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's a very difficult thing to explain, this, this heavy tempo shift. And this is, I love throwing out tempo shift in our pre-shows when we're actually discussing this, and it's never correct, and I was not able to say it on show, so I'm a little salty about that. <laughs> but it's 3-4, it's almost a waltz.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's got almost. that to it. It's, I like 916 if it isn't 916. Can't it's hurt.
1: a nice oscillation. It's a nice back and forth that's going on. The wave format is heavy. The guitar and drum just don't know what else to do besides just meander back and forth between what they're doing. But it's not as as like heart-wrenchingly painful as track one was doing it for a time. It's not that steady groove that I'm just getting tired of. This I'm liking.
2: I think in general, what? whenever things are—this is just a general observation. When I find that things are in triple meter, I'm usually able to tolerate it more. That, that's not thats not true for everyone, but it creates—it's it's, it's something that's easier for me to sit with. It just feels more—like they're having more fun with it, that they're more invested in it. Uh, you know, something's in four, uh, then it just tends to feel a little bit more constrained. And then you're like, all right, come on, next thing. You have to do more, I feel, like when something's in four. Then it needs to be bolstered by other elements. <laughs> And the other elements that do come in, the vocals are again in that that ghostly
1: voice that we got earlier in the album. And then the guitar steps out. Every time the vocals step in, the guitar steps out. I was complaining about this earlier and they proved in Sunday they can integrate the two pieces. And had the guitar done it's little bits of flair and it's a little bit of comping that it was already doing with the drums in this big shift. How it did kind of toe the line but it did still have its own its own identity in the sway back and forth. I would have been okay with this. I would have been on board and not been raging. At this point I'm raging again. Uh. (laughs) It's it's so it's so interesting to really have this kind of freeform poetry that's going on with the vocals and it's so frustrating to not have the guitar working with it, to not have that rhythm section being married to the melody so, so beautifully as it
2: did in, the, in Sunday. Well, let's look at the vocals then, uh, or the lyrics specifically, because then I, I, I do have a tendency that, once again, in things that are in three, I, I'm kind of just brought in with like the, in the wave motion of the track that I, I tend to not listen to, to lyrics. But he has stuff to say. Speakeasy, knock on the door. They'll check you out through the peephole. There's a man who knows what you want, there's a girl who captures capture your flag. Glittering champagne on ice, garish and overpriced, champagne on ice, dish overpriced. Schnellimbis and Pope Benedict, brilliant brains and the end of pain. Germany must germinate, germinate in a German way, garish and overpriced, glittering champagne on ice. Berlin and Christ, champagne on ice, German days, German days. I wanted to mean something. Much. <laughs> yeah No I gonna, Any takers I
0: mean
1: I think that the he Said the man has stuff to say I feel like it's social commentary On something Whether it's the Christian church Or Pope Benedict Or something in Germany I don't, I don't even Germany is actually Probably the most Germany must germinate uh, after after France, I think it might be the most progressive of states in Europe. I mean, they're doing pretty well on a lot of fronts.
0: I honestly think we're nobody's commenting lyrics. on. I think we're overthinking the lyrics here. I think he's playing. It's all wordplay, and he's just having fun with. No,
1: no, I'm going to refute that because I don't think he's really done that at all on this album. I think it's very specific words throughout the rest of this album he's trying for something and he's had a lot of rage and a lot of anger in this album and i don't know what anger he might be directing towards germany or Pope Benedict, or Christianity, or I anything.
2: S- I, I, I will say the last time that I was this thrown by the reference game, uh, without being able to to put together a little bit of a story first, um, but eventually figuring it out in this case, was uh, St. Vincent's Huey Newton. Sure, but we were able to piece that together. It, was th- it, was, it came together pretty easily, all things considered. This... I don't know and maybe that's my feeling.
0: I mean for me I don't I don't I don't think I followed the lyrics that much because I felt them as more of a distraction here. Whereas in the previous track I, uh, or two tracks ago I had said that moments during Sunday the lyrics didn't feel like they melded here. I just feel like that they're, the muddied vocals are taking away from what the melody is doing. I mean, I inc- I'm inclined to agree with Steve, things in Triple Meter kind of tend to suck me in more, but I think that that might be why the muddied vocals kind of were distracting even more so here. I know it's Iggy Pop's thing and I typically like when he does this, it's just for whatever reason, and it could be because it was hard to grasp at what the content was, that I just felt that they didn't really serve as much of a purpose here. Uh, I do like that this track book ends like you previewed. I think that for nothing else, nothing else on the album had done that. But also, it's, that, it's a callback, and I like a good callback. But not just
2: that. It also makes it seem like it really was a surreal excursion. Mm-hmm. Like the, those are the book covers for this oddball little insert in the album. Like someone just reached the, the, the mystery book off the bookshelf and then said, let, we're, we're going to read a story inside a story for a little while. and let you just In be a foreign language. In, in a foreign language and let you be sucked into this world. Um, and it makes absolutely no sense to you. A kind of Alice in Wonderland situation. And then you close the book at the end. <laughs> <laughs> as the song does. And uh, that's it as we go to track eight. Um, kind of coming to the tail end of this fairly short album here. But track eight is Chocolate Drops. Okay hmm i don't know where the chorus ends
1: and the verse begins or is it the verse ends and the chorus begins because this song for all the complaints about steadiness and no changes and everything like that the only thing i think that goes from verse to chorus is a slight chord change like the slightest of chord changes, on one instrument and the repetition That's
0: it. That's all that happens here. We're getting a little ahead of ourselves. I think Steve said it best where he said that the song is so bare that it can't even be a genre, pretty much.
2: I was almost inclined to throw this into like a piano ballad here, because that is the prominent instrument here. I I, I I say piano rock. But it's like a piano ballad. That's what I would call it if it wasn't so dull. So gut-wrenchingly dull. (laughs) I mean, it's... It's just... One, uh, two, and three, four. One, two, and three, four. I'm just... <laughs> and then the I chorus, believe it's also one, two, and three, four when it's in the chorus. I don't recall that. Can't yeah, or five, or I don't even know if it's that I it a Three, three, and four, but whatever.
0: Yeah, I'm. I think well, let, let's get into the song a bit. So there's piano here, and it's it's the song <laughs> that has the most piano through. I mean, no, it's important to bring that up. A lot of the other songs, the lead instrument had been guitar or bass, kind of driving the song forward, or at least being the through line. Here, it's the piano. The piano is the through line here and the most constant, but it's like if you look up on the internet a cliche piano line, It would be this piano line. It It has to do with the rhythm, and it's not playing around with
2: that at all. But back to what you said, obviously, the piano is important because, uh, kind of owing to what I said, if we're going the piano ballad route, obviously piano is a slightly more tendered instrument, at least in their particular usage of it. Not the way I play piano. But uh, Uh (laughs) this is um, the first verse here. The lyrics reflect what you'd find in a piano ballad. When your love of life is an empty beach, don't cry. Don't, don't cry. cry. When your enemy has you in his reach, don't die. Don't, don't die. die. I love when the it's, backgrounds. No, yeah, no, no, no.
1: Very nice. Those repetitions are background different vocalists. And that, that I wanted more of because every time that showed up, something special happened on this album. Didn't happen here.
2: Let's okay, continue. keep going. When it's painful to express the things you feel inside. When it hurts to share because they're bare and real. So real so when every day is judgment day I won't pray don't pray when there's no one to share that empty chair well okay okay Uh, I think we're getting to the bottom of the fairly depressed existential feel of this album uh, and his position in it uh, and this is I guess the appropriate time for a kind of track like this, and I at least I kind of feel for him here. I just wish the music made me feel it a little bit more when you read the lyrics alone it 's like all right, I see where he 's coming from but th- 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 nothing else is accentuating it, but maybe that 's the point i'll i'll extend this all the branch when it hurts to share because they 're bare and real. Well, <laughs> alright, you already see where I'm going with this, but it's like, if he feels like this is kind of life stripped away down to its various components, is there's no there's no other thing, people are always searching for that other thing, where is it coming, where's, where's the next awesome thing in my life? Um, and we already got some hints earlier on that he was dealing with some kind of, well, let's look at the title of the album, post-pop depression. If it's all post, then where, where's the pre? Where's the thing to look forward to? Uh, I don't know. Is this, this is it until your grave? That's depressing. Sorry, guys. But that's also life. I mean, also... In which ta- case, strip the music down with the the way he feels inside.
0: Well, I mean, and also take a look at how the earlier tracks were and how we said that they felt fairly stripped down, but there were some interesting things here and there. Whereas here, this feels completely stripped down. So I I, I can see where you're going, Steve. It would be a case of... I understand what he's trying to say. I can acknowledge the message he's trying to convey, but I don't enjoy it. If
2: if it yeah. wasn't for one really weird metaphor, which starts off great, but then turns to what? The chorus.
1: I can't stand this chorus. When you get to the bottom, you're near the top. The shit turns into chocolate drops. (laughs) I don't understand both the first line or
2: the second line. No, I understand the first line. No, the first line, yes, but the juxtaposition
1: of the first line doesn't actually make sense within context of what's going on here anyway. When you get to the bottom, you're near the
2: top. No... There's no top that's being going no, up. No, I actually kind of see that in like an abstract sense. When you get to the bottom, you're near the top, perhaps, of a new thing. But I don't I don't get well, the chocolate drop. I wish I did. It's no. also the
0: idea that once you hit rock bottom, there's nowhere to go but up. Yeah. Once exactly. you hit the bottom, you are you
2: nearer are to the top, top because you, you can start score. going back exactly. up. Yeah. And no, I think no, no, that's that more or less what it's supposed to mean. Explain better than I did, think. You. You're welcome.
1: I, well, I understand the ship metaphor uh, because shit flows downhill. And so. Shit also flows from those on top to those on the bottom, while praise rises from the bottom to the
2: top and doesn't really rise from the top to the bottom. All right, that fine. Metaphor, let me, let me where's the it up? chocolate I, I get the line. I get the line. The shit turns into chocolate drops. I just don't think it's clever.
0: No, yeah, no, uh, no. Absolutely. A brown, no argument.
2: a bad brown thing turned into a good brown thing. That's the. This is as as as, as deep as it gets, guys. I mean, <laughs> <Totally> not.
0: <laughs> as far as what I like about Iggy Pop being a storyteller, clearly the song does not have that element, and I think that's probably the most disappointing thing about it. Even with the song being so bare, at least if the lyrics were telling me something, maybe I'd be more intrigued. But the, and the only way to identify it, and here's, here's probably the biggest gripe I have with the chorus, which I still think is the core of the
1: problem with this track. The only reason you can tell it's a chorus is because there's lines repeated. Well, At the end of the day, that's the only way I was able to identify the chorus because otherwise there's just the slightest little shift in the It's true. It doesn't really it.
2: feel like we've reached a kind of climax here. It's yeah. just sort of the statement that follows the statements that he was already prefacing in the verses. Um, and then the wonky guitarist solo, I kind of liked this. The notes are nice and rolled. They always feel like they're on the brink of just falling out of tune which I guess is also consistent with perhaps where he is at life, uh, in life. But this is just... Overall, there doesn't seem to be that, that one thing for me to really hone in on here. Most things in this, uh, in this track and, and on most of the album sound so broken and so listless, uh, uh, accurately so, o- owing to the theme. I just... I don't know. There's, I wish I, there was more empathy. It was inviting more empathy for me to his position. Like I, I feel like I'm dismissing this and I don't wanna dismiss this because I feel like we all face this position at some point in our future when we feel like we've kind of passed the 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 curve of our heights. I think that we're getting to a in. point
0: in this album where it's starting to feel disgruntled, and I think that's the problem. It's hard to identify with someone who but feels it's, disgruntled. Actually,
1: no, that's a that's a great point to make, Matt. I really like that because it's not a likable character. This is this is not, you know, you're not, not meant somebody. to
0: identify with the narrative
2: here. I oh, but, don't aren't think. You? but I
1: think that's well, dis- not, not everyone right. not
2: every okay fine. Not everyone is a uh, a a fading pop star. But then again, I feel like that could be pretty easily that could relate very much to almost anything that you're doing in life. Anything whatever your passion but, is.
0: But what I'm clearly saying is I don't think the intention is relatability. I think the intention is to be disgruntled is to be disgruntled and convey and be in, a in his disgruntled. own world. Maybe. I mean it that sounds better to me than just saying it's a miss. Like all I know is it's Iggy Pop and and Josh Homme. I don't I don't believe that these two men would work on something and not know what they're doing or not have an intention. But it goes back
2: to what I said earlier. In a variety of ways, uh, even now more, many more variety of ways, it feels like there's something reserved about this album. Like it's just not quite. It's not uh, strong enough to be completely disgruntled for me to feel like there's a chip on his shoulder. It's not slow or musing enough to be truly ruminative. I... eh. Well, that's because the culmination
1: of this character that we're seeing formed over the eight tracks is in the final track, Paraguay. This is the actual caricature of this angry old man in many ways. This sort of not really enjoying the new world and not really enjoying the changes that have taken place and really
2: just raging against change in general in many ways. I just want to read the very last uh, stanza of the previous track before we go into this because it may be very, very well important. There is nothing in the stars if you fail to move. There is nothing in the dark. It's just some old excuse. Hanging on, let it go actually really like the poetry in that alone i think that's a very beautiful summation and i think it also could easily dispel with a lot of the other content that was fairly useless and not as poetic as that final stanza but now we're at paraguay where he kind of lays it all on the line um uh, i almost want to go straight to the lyrics here just because we're well, on before the before you subject. go straight
0: to the lyrics i want to say something important about okay. how the lyrics are presented because the intro to this track is acapella it's It sounds like all four performers were on the record singing together in unison. And what's interesting about doing that a cappella is the voices... I mean, we've heard a lot of these voices before on their respective albums separately and to meld them together gave a really cool effect that I really enjoyed and wanted a lot more of. I mean there were hints at it when, when Iggy would harmonize with other people earlier parts of the record but having all four men singing together at once just gave a really cool effect that I really enjoyed. Kind of gospel-ish but it is very well harmonized
2: and they, and they sing wild animals they do never wonder why they just do what they goddamn do. Just do what they goddamn do. And it's actually pretty incredible at how all all four guys tend to make it sound as if this is just, like, rolling right off their back. Like, it's a very yeah. natural way of singing, which is it's kind of hard to sing naturally when you actually are as part of a group because it kind of forces you into a little box where you have to pay attention to your, your fellow members. But, uh, yeah, and then they kind of cut that out. Yeah, I doesn't But here
1: I like the steady guitar that
2: steps in. I like how... It works with the vocals. I'm, I'm enjoying the vocals in this. We also have some nice little piano comping in the background. But yeah, overall it's... here, musically, I think beyond this point, as far as just the framework they chose, I don't really have very much to comment on. Because it uh, kind of drones, and this is a drone that just is solid through and through. So this is where I will cut to the content of this track here, which is... Uh, I'm going where sore losers go To hide my face and spend my dough Though it's a dream, it's not a lie And I won't stop to say goodbye Paraguay, Paraguay See, I just couldn't take no more Of whipping fools and keepin' score I just thought, well, fuck it, man I'm gonna pack my soul and scram Paraguay, Paraguay Out of the way, I'll get away uh, Won't have to f- hear the things they say Tamales and a bank account are all I need So count me out Paraguay,
0: Paraguay. I mean, he's he, it, clearly here this is the I've given up and I've had enough song. And I mean, even later, and we'll get to that when he's kind of just talking to the audience, it, it's very much a feeling of fed up, which le- lends to what I was saying before about this kind of disgruntled character. I have 197 countries in the world to choose from. You choose Paraguay.
2: I, I mean, I, I respect that. I, I, it's, 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 it's landlocked. Um, You've got the Amazon jungle to your north. I believe it's you've a tax got, haven. Uh, yeah, Is it? That um, would, it might that would, be. That would help. I wouldn't be surprised if it is. Yeah. Probably no extradition as well. You've got the Pampas to, to the south. You've got the Andes to the west. It's a wonderful country, I imagine. <laughs> and they got tamales, as he points out. Well, we, we do get a
1: little bit of action before this the thing that Matt said. I didn't want to talk about that second half of the song quite yet. I wanted yeah. to build up to that. But we have a bridge. I'll have no fear. I'll know no fear. So far from here, I'll have no fear. Tra-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la. Lots of <laughs> laws. Lots of tra la That annoyed me. Okay, so there's yeah. a
2: minor point, but it really annoyed me. It's like, really, that's, that's how you're going to end your song? tra la la I mean, I get the idea. Obviously, you're, you're, you're singing your way, and you're, you're almost, like, blissfully sticking it to the place that you're leaving. Tra-la-la-la-la, I leave you, and I don't care. Don't want to come back. Bye. It's, it's <laughs> the idea of a carefree
1: nature, My I think, it's My bags the are end.
2: packed. That's how this little is the part I give
1: if i'm not mistaken where bugs bunny grabs his hole pulls it off the ground and throws it in his suitcase before you know walking off into the distance
2: there you go with his hat cuz he liked to wear a lot of clothes a lot of different clothes he was a nod ball yeah, it's was just musically when you listen to this and you're not like completely zoned in on the theme here then it, it musically it was just a little bit annoying i uh, it yeah. didn't it wasn't musically pleasing that tra well,
0: well i i mean he's also used that kind of um a thing in his songs in the past but usually it has an effect on the melody or it it it's the, there's a purpose to it, or it's at least catchier. Whereas here it wasn't even catchy, which I think was the bigger problem. is not even that it was just annoying and pointless, but that it wasn't even catchy. And But we do get a return to Wild Animals. That
1: shows up again. And that does a good transition to the B section of this song, which I like. I did like a lot because it felt like a solid percussion-heavy progression. The guitar was having some fun. It was adding flair. It did peter out and plateau after just a little bit because it starts getting drowned out by the vocals and the message and this is just pure message being said right here there's nothing awesome here not a damn thing there's nothing new just a bunch of people scared everybody's fucking scared fear eats all the souls at once i'm tired of it and i dream about getting away to a new life well there's not so much fucking knowledge i don't want any of this information i don't want you no not anymore I've had enough of you. Yeah, I'm talking to you. I'm going to Paraguay to live in a compound under the trees with servants and bodyguards who love me, free of criticism, free of manners and mores. I want to be your basic clod who made good and went away while he could to somewhere where people are still human beings, where they have spirit. You take your motherfucking laptop and you just shove it in. And here's the point where he just gets loud. And that's when it kind of lost me. You take your motherfucking laptop and you just shove it in your goddamn foul mouth and sit your shit heel gizzard. And down your shit heel gizzard, you fucking phony, two faced, three timing piece of turd. And I hope you shit it out with all the words in it. And I hope the security services read those words and pick you up and flay you for all your evil and poisonous intentions because I'm sick and it's your fault and I'm gonna heal myself now. Yeah.
2: There you are.
1: Okay, this summates the character of this album so perfectly. it's It really is just a character of an angry old man, and I cannot get on board with it. Ben. I cannot enjoy, I cannot sympathize, I cannot empathize, I cannot get into this character's mind. Because all this rage that we get in this last soliloquy, this last aside, this, this Shakespearean-esque just tirade that's going on right here, though Shakespeare didn't get quite as dirty, though he did get more provocative. Um. That's an aside. I, I don't. I, I don't like this character.
2: I cannot feel for this character. I can. I. I that's where I'll interrupt you. I can feel for this character, uh, very easily. I mean, not that he cites very specific things. He. It, they're more general. Uh, it's uh, free of manners and mores. Okay. Well, actually, I kind of like manners and mores. They're, they're kind of good. But there's other things like. Where there's not so much fucking information. The idea that saturation, you, with the internet, television, or, there's so many things in the world that, that are constantly trying to feed you and shape your mind and mold you in a, certain, in a certain way that it gets a little bit tiresome sometimes, you feel like you're being manipulated. Or the line, I, I, it sounds simple and it sounds like he's being mean, but I don't want
1: you, Facebook, Instagram... Whatever well, Social maybe, media, maybe that that media, is. that blitzing of, I don't need to know your life story. I don't need to have you talking to me all the time. I want my privacy. I like that. Yeah. I kind of do like that. He cuts but this in character... actually does
2: the information later.
1: <laughs> this character isn't angry. I can understand angry. I can empathize with angry. This character, really, at the end of the day, he feels mean. And I don't like mean. I don't like that kind of... Rage directed Instead of just raging at the world It feels like he has it out for someone Or something It showed up in Vulture It shows up in American Valhalla In the lobby It's not him calling out society It's him feeling offended By what society has done to him And that feels a little bit different That's that's a
2: little bit too privileged A position uh, I can see your point there maybe I, I guess I'm not looking at it through that particular lens because that would also bother me, but I feel like I, I feel like that's a little bit that's too much of an, an indictment on where he's coming from. I think it's just simply feeling a little bit sick of it all and wanting to get away from it all, which I think is relatable and I gotta tell you, I, I have felt this. I have absolutely felt it. Same. There's times where I just want to go to the Rockies or the Pacific Northwest or, I, you know, pick... My place. His place is Paraguay. That's his place. That's his little safety zone. Sometimes you pick a spot in the globe and you just become fascinated by it because you don't know enough about it, but you would so much like to. And to escape there and not have anyone around to tell you what to do. Just, just go off alone. This, we got a wonderful world here, and just sometimes you gotta explore it and do it
0: alone. I mean, I've actually I have that place, and it was instilled in me by my by my mother, just because she always wanted to visit and knew nothing about it, and it was Greece. I've always wanted to go to Greece, and I've always often thought, in times of high stress, I should just disappear. I'll just get in the car, go. Becomes, airport gone.
2: It almost becomes like a like a little half joke you say to to yourself and to your friends, and be like, "I'm going to Greece, man." Yeah, <laughs> you just, just running. And you pick your thing. For me, it's British Columbia. I'm glad that I, I know the music uh, A to Z guys now, because maybe one day I'll just say hi. Yeah, just go uh, visit. I'm not gonna live on top of you, but I'll live like 50 miles away, just so you know. I ignored, re, re, no. <laughs> I'm sorry. trying to get an edge word in because I agree with this.
1: <laughs> I do agree with this. I do agree with that being whole fed up of stuff. But there feels like there's a little bit too much of deserving in this album for me to really enjoy the theme, for me to really dive into the character. And I think at the end of the day, that's a
2: big problem Look, I'm for with me. you. As far as presentation here is concerned, I, like the first time when you're not reading this, it glosses over you. He has a tendency to mumble a lot of that. well he's a little bit more animated here, but it's like the first time in the album where he kind of gets animated, and I think the album, by this point, has actually kind of taught me to ignore him, which is not beneficial when this final rant comes. Yeah, there's uh, a lot of white
1: noise going on. Even Sunday, which is the, the best song on the album by far, and really a solid piece through and through it's it's still just ranting and raving about having to work for the man and only getting that sunday that sunday of relaxation of enjoying oneself yeah everybody has to do this you don't i I work seven days a week for half a year every year for the last 10 years yeah i bemoan not having time off or anything like that but i still don't think i deserve time off I don't believe I'm owed vacations. I'm owed any of this
2: paradise that he finds at the end of it. Well, you're not a pop star. You didn't write 17 albums, so, you know. Uh, And you're not at retiring age.
1: Yeah, maybe. Maybe. But that's why I can't really get on board with the album as a whole. And to really lead into my wrap-up, I, as a whole, from beginning to end... There's one high point right in the middle, and everything else, as Steve said a few times, and I think Matt might have mentioned it too, washes over you. Just kind of fades and white noises, and there's parts here and there. There's spurts of just fun. There's spurts of, yeah, and then they're very fleeting, or they're used ad nauseum. There's, it's one or the other. There's, it's just never an integration, And with the exception of Sunday. Sunday, I think, was just a lot of really good ideas that came together to make a cohesive piece. I hate just thinking about the one song lifting up the album, though. It doesn't. Sunday, I will take out of the hole and enjoy. But aside the fact that it really is a solemn thing, I'm just not liking. But I have to give it that. It's solid. The arc is through and through. It really, it's cohesion to a T. I think that might be the 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 biggest you know the biggest attribute i give to it it's cohesive through and through it's solid there's a lot of wave signs going on here and it's music sure
2: Uh, 2.5 i think i might be even a little bit too high (laughs) all right well you 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 dwell on that um I feel like I say this every week, but this is a weird album. (laughs) I, 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 this is... At least it's not a boring album. No, it's not. And that, that's, that's the, um... Well, no, it is. No, it is a boring album. (laughs) With exceptions and really glaring exceptions. I mean, boy, this album sparked a discussion. It took a while to gain some steam, but it, it sparked it, and that's more than can be said for last week's album. Uh, sorry, everybody wants by the struts, but uh, there's just no place in, in my world for you. Um, this, this, I can tell you straight up, Sunday is not just a, a, a gem for the album, it's a phenomenal track. Um, and, all right, maybe in the grand scheme of things, uh, insert chamber orchestra. You know, it's a little, a little bit cliché because we do get this... It's it's a popular trend nowadays. You have, um very popular artists that could go back either 5 years, 10 years, 20 years or in his case, 40 years and then the modern thing is, well, let's throw in a little bit of orchestra to really really ramp it up, and sometimes it's tasteless, but this was just a coda it was a coda on the brilliant piece that already was Sunday and without it, it still would have been a great track, and with it 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 adds a kind of contemplative air that, that makes you, I don't know, it, it's it makes you appreciate Sunday. It, it makes, makes you, you appreciate that time off. It makes you appreciate that one little moment that you get in the grand scheme of it all. It's funny because that would imply that he's a 9-to-5 guy, which I don't think he is. Uh, I think we know that. Um, but I, I think that's where he becomes a relatable figure. And he's, he's, he's bringing you into his world, and maybe that's the empathy that I've been seeking. I've been very negative on this album for most of it, and that's why... That's why I feel almost like I'm rating this on two completely separate and non-equal worlds. On one hand, musically, this album just trudges along, and every time it introduces something new, it just sticks with it. It's not very well composed. It's just a few things layered together to make a kind of basic rock song that is not even really a a rock-you-out kind of track, it's just bland. But then again, on the other side of things, He's kind of speaking about um, malaise, or I think as the French would put it, ennui. (laughs) This is specifically ennui. It's not, which is very different. It's not malaise. It it means what it means, and you'd know it if you speak French. Uh, and, And it's I, I think it's not just anyone's on ennui, but specifically of someone who's, who's lived maybe as long as he has and seen as much shit as he's seen. And that comes to a head in this last track here, which musically sits in the first bank. Musically, I don't feel much from it. I just, it washed over me the first time, but you gotta read. And we always say bad things when you gotta read, but whatever, the words are there, and that is, once again, more than can be said for last week's album. I love this rant. I really love it. He he rambles it, and that is what it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be a ramble. Um, and I like I like the accents that are there. Even though they're not musical, it comes across to me as poetry. And for once, I'd like to leave a place in my world for that. Because usually I'm looking at music, and the music here on most of this album, apart from Sunday, is just not there. But the message sure is, I want to go to Paraguay. Right now, I do, because he talked it up so much, and because he made it seem like a perfect escape. Um, it's funny, actually, I've been reading a lot about South America, so.
0: <laughs> you can't go to Paraguay, you have to finish
2: writing the album. You're not allowed. That's, that's true. I have, see, responsibility always holds me down. Uh, this album, because of the discussion, I think this album comes very close to breaching that average mark. And it really jumped all the way up from what was originally, I think, just a flat out 2 in my head, all the way up to a 2.9. Though there's not enough music here one track is not gonna do it but I'm bringing this to a 2.9 because of the theme it presents which I think is absolutely unique but can I put it to a 3 with only one really solid track and everything else falling short musically in every possible way absolutely not theme notwithstanding and one amazing track notwithstanding
0: I mean for me I'm just horribly disappointed by this uh, mostly because of the pedigree, like I said at the top of the show. I like Iggy Pop. He He's what I call a greatest hits artist. It's an artist that I don't have his albums, but I know his greatest hits. And there's 17 albums to choose mm-hmm. greatest hits from. And so I expected a lot. And then, of course, you know, two members of Queens of the Stone Age and a member of Arctic Monkeys. I love both those last records. They weren't fives, but they were solid fours, ultimately. And they were... <clears throat> even maybe a little higher than that. I don't really remember. They were really very remember. enjoyable. Yeah, and I mean I really like what those bands do on their own, so I assumed teaming up with Iggy Pop who's been around 17 albums or 16 before this, like it had to be good at least. And the harsh truth is it's not good. It's average. Like I know Steve's pretty hard on the Struts album last week, but I at least enjoy listening to some of those songs. I don't even get that here. Besides Sunday, which we've all talked to death, like, I just don't enjoy these tracks. Break Into Your Heart, I sort of enjoy, but like Gardenia, American Valhalla, you know, in the lobby, none of these tracks engage me in any way. At least Panic in the Disco and Struts, which were both distinctly very pop records, I enjoy listening to parts. Hell, um, the... Uh, Panic at the Disco album I enjoy completely from cover to cover it's just fun to listen to even if it's highly digestible that's still a step over this Like, I love Iggy's ability to tell stories and I agree with Steve that final track has a punch but a lot of the other punch in in the record thematically you have to get by reading and I don't want to read I want to hear it that's what the point of this is Um. you know a lot of it just feels listless and I don't want to say phoned in but it really does feel like it I mean there are moments where I'm I'm just astonished that these musicians who I've heard do way crazier stuff not doing it here and then that makes me wonder and I brought this up off air was that intentional I mean this is called post-pop depression is it intentionally so bland and straightforward because they're just they're like, well, if you guys can do it, we can do it. Like on the week, like, and, and but even still, if that's the case, I just I'm annoyed. Like I'm not, I suppose, as I took it as harshly as John did, but for sure, it, it's irritating that if they did this intentionally just to show that they can be mediocre, why? Not to be mediocre, and that's the only place I'll interrupt you, but rather to reflect
2: very accurately Agreedly. the position where he's in. You're or right. How he feels.
0: You're right. I don't know. It's just, Then then fine. It's a great um, artistic piece, but it's not an enjoyable album. A great artistic portrayal of blandness. Uh, maybe. I mean, look, there have been Stranger Things released that have gotten higher acclaim. It's just, I just... And I'm curious, I'm going to, after we're done recording tonight, go check out how other places rated. I'm always curious when a really great artist puts out a mediocre thing or something that I find mediocre, at least. I'm always curious to see if it's raved about. I mean, we ran into that with Paul McCartney way back when. That album that we were all kind of cold on, the media loved. You know, even the new Marilyn Manson a lot of, you know, big rock and roll magazines were like, oh, it's the return of Marilyn Manson. It's, it's you know, back to his old tricks. Well, I don't know Iggy Pop's catalog very well, but I,
2: I, I, I'm I not sure I'm a fan necessarily, but I think this would be a pretty interesting
0: cap on his career. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I, I'm kind of listless just describing the record, but I think I'm more in John territory. Um probably a little higher though I would give it a 2.6 I think that I agree with Steve in the sense that Sunday and what it's going for at it's truest form elevates it a little the reality is I feel like I, I I don't know who I would recommend this to. Essentially, is it like even even other someone with ennui. <laughs> sure. Not Sure, many
2: people say they have that.
0: And that's very true. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just I'm crushed by this. I wanted I wanted I picked this because I thought it would be intriguing, and although there were intriguing conversational moments. As an album, it is not intriguing to me.
2: Uh, yeah, I, I'm i almost on the verge of, like, lowering it, but I, I gotta be honest, anything that's in the twos for me is an album I don't go back to. So by yeah. it being a 2.9, I'm still not going back to this. But it comes so close to making a really, really, really good point um, or, or having the music at least support the good point. It just doesn't do it in enough places. It's too thin for my ears. So let's go into something a little bit strange here. This is obviously this is concerning someone who is wants to leave. I don't think it, it flat out is directly referencing a kind of retirement. It may just all be in character here, but it did get me thinking about retirement in, in, in the broader sense, and how even though we've looked at a couple of, of older musicians, one among them Paul McCartney. Obviously Paul McCartney's not retiring. Uh, Ozzy Osbourne was pretty close to retiring and had to have a little reinitiation with Black Sabbath and he whatnot. He kind of did retire. He kind of did. I mean, I guess yeah. for a very long time there, and he had his solo career, and then he was done, and he came back. It makes me wonder about the legacy of all these people. It's like, there are people that absolutely do say, all right, you know what, I'm done. If, if you, for instance, were in like a pop field like back in the 80s, and then you had your 15 minutes of fame, and then they get to a point that uh, they're not in the limelight anymore, they just leave. They just completely... Leave And do, do in practice what I think he is suggesting he would like to do in, in, in real life. Whether it is in fact related to his art or not. This is referring to Iggy, Iggy Pop, of course. Just ditch it all and, and go into something else. You find this in actors also. I, I find that Charlie Bucket from the original Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory just grew up to become like a, I don't know, like a farmer. That's it. It's, it's a farmer guy. But that's what he wanted to do. And of course that's for child actors it happens a lot more frequently but a lot of people just ditch their thing that they were probably most popular for. I mean I think I th- there's a place for that.
0: I mean I think it comes from a place of being fed up with with either your position doing it or the environment it's in. I mean I can easily say just I mean you know obviously I don't consider creating the podcast as making art, though, you know, content creation can be argued of any kind is. Um, There are definitely moments where I feel like, you know, is anyone listening? Why keep making it like... No. (laughs) Well, it all lends to the same stuff. The idea of retirement can also come like... A a forced retirement can come from being fed up with a field you're in or wondering if anyone's listening. And, you know, it's a thing that can affect your art, but it can also... Um, build on it or or make it stronger I mean my early doubts with this podcast is what inspired me to start a second podcast this idea well you know we have one there are days when you know I had more doubts with this podcast than you did <laughs> <laughs> but the idea but that I was always, you know, always gung ho <laughs> you, you're inspired to do more if you can kind of take those sort of negative thoughts and turn them into something else well th- sometimes just simple logistics the band breaks up
1: a lot of bands just break up they just don't do things anymore together because they don't like each other
2: anymore but so usually, you're not going to get music that way well that's interesting because when that, when that happens usually the expectation is well that's just the end of this stage of our careers we will go off and we will start new bands or we will be solo musicians and whatnot they all seem to be ambitious about the next stage and then that was the spur for them breaking up in the first place but then it so seems many times it very lands often flat it, yeah. it lands flat or not even just because they're you know they're they're solo art wasn't good or wasn't accepted or anything like that but sometimes they even as musicians that does become the moment of their retirement for let's say maybe not like the lead singer but someone off the side that basically is it for them because the band can be the glue that's the the drive to say oh well I gotta come in on Monday you know or or whenever you come into the studio or band practice or whatever you're held accountable to each other when you're not held accountable that's it. That that essentially can be it. You need to be held accountable to something whether that's your fans or your band and, and that's as long as it's people closest to you that would be probably the best possible choice. But once you lose that, then you drift and you're in another world.
0: I mean, I think the idea of being held accountable is important for any group, but I think also it can come from a place of um, disillusionment or confusion or or misunderstanding. I think that um Sometimes you have to hold yourself accountable for everything, and if you don't, yeah. you can kind of it's very easy to drift or get lost or forget why you're doing something. I mean, it's easy to do to do something that you like and then lose interest in it. I mean, we joke about it a lot here, but you know I think it's the idea that you know you're taking something that starts in a place of doubting what you're capable of and then transform yeah. it into what the next step is and how to move it forward. And some people just quit because they've done, what they've set out to do. Not many artists,
1: and honestly, I'm racking my brain for someone who retired, you know, because, you know, he didn't want to do more. So many artists retire because, well, they're not getting, you know, shows anymore. They're not drawing crowds. They're not making money. So the labels will drop them. Or they just never retire. Like the Rolling Stones. They'll never. They'll die on stage. I think one or two of them might have. And they just, you know, prop them up and use marionette strings and everything like that. But some guys... Some guys literally they go out on top. They go out on their swan song. They oh, they make their final public appearance. And that's usually actors, not musicians. That's usually writers.
0: Um I mean like. but 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 we've and we've talked about him before. Like the idea that, you know, the opposite, the antithesis of this is like take someone like David Bowie. He wrote an album while he knew he was dying, and then started writing another one before he passed. And so there's half an album or a section of an album that he was creating after Black Star, and it's which going re- right. to get it's going to get released. Right,
2: there is a slight difference, and um, I hope I don't get any hate mail for this because I'm going to be flat out comparing art forms against one another. Music is kind of like a muscle; you need to work it and and consistently work on it for it to get better and better and better. And if you don't, if you don't act on it, then it will fall out of. Out of re- disrepair, it'll fall yeah. into disrepair. You won't be able to reignite it. And I think a lot of people think that they can set aside. Their music for a little while and be like, all right, well, it's on hiatus, but it's an yeah. like extended hiatus, and I'll always come back to it. And then they pick up the guitar or what, what have you, you know, years down the road, it's like, oh, whee, that's not so good. Or even if it, even if they still play, then maybe like it's their their compositional ideas aren't aren't that they're not they don't have that muscle in 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 practice. Now the thing I was gonna compare it against is because you brought up acting, actors do tend to do that a lot. They go out on their swan song, but then um, they're like their big film, what have you. And then they come back years later, and it's like, ah, oh, coming out of retirement, um, after like, you know, 10, 15 years, and they get to kind of pull that off. Now, I'm not saying that, like, acting is not a muscle either, but I think for people who were in the acting business long enough, they can kind of get into the groove of, oh, right, okay, read the script, reimmerse myself in the role, access that part of the brain that is always there, a kind of part of you that, that, that can kind of go dormant. And then be reignited. Um, I'm not saying anything for, like, you know, establishing new contacts in the acting business. That can be a whole other challenge, and maybe you won't be able to do it in those grounds. But if you have clout, sometimes you can very easily come back. But for musicians, maybe people want you to come back. Uh, maybe you have the clout, but probably won't be quality, and it won't be what you were.
1: Well, I think it's also the different forms of art, I believe, lend themselves to very different styles of enjoyment. In visual arts like movies and television things like that they're much more beholden to the initial experience while music and for in my eyes books in the many ways music poetry and things of that sort it's about the repetition it's sort of the one versus the mm. other i
0: i would there argue is blurry
1: that. lines and everything like that but like that movie that one movie oh i saw it it was amazing you don't see movies again and again and again and again, <laughs> I do in many i do cases, too I in disagree. many cases, but think about how many movies you'll watch over and over again, and think not songs but albums, full albums you've revisited and gone through over and over and which I, one you've they, done
2: more for me I, that is really diff- I, I, they're very equal like, yeah same like, for me a movie I love I will re-watch as many times as an album that I love I'll re-listen to mm-hmm. as many times see same.
1: okay that's curious because I, I don't do that and but speaks- from people I know outside the podcast a lot of people that I like watch movies
2: with and this makes they sense don't do though that. because this is coming from you I mean this is maybe a different personality but this is coming from you who once told me that during uh, during work sometimes you can put back like like several books in a row or something like that which is crazy to me crazy I could never if it's one of those
1: days where I'm not doing work where it's really dead uh, or even like a day where I go in and just aren't aren't actually opening the store or just doing busy work I can read
2: 500 pages easy in a book But, see, that's insane to me. Number one, just on the grounds that I, I guess growing up, I was always kind of a little bit of a slow reader, but I had comprehension. I would read slow to gain the comprehension. Now, I'm not accusing you of not having comprehension, but I am suggesting that there maybe is more to those books than you let on, because I refuse to believe that books can be absorbed quite that fast and fully getting into every single thing because that's... I don't know. Read, no, well, one, of, I'm read this, one of my books and we'll test me. Yeah, well, I guess it would depend on the book. If you, it's, it's not worth going back to, it's not worth going back to. But <laughs> I say this on the ground because you brought up a film and I will rewatch. Uh, a movie over and over again because I do pick up on details that maybe I always missed or that the second, third time become more rich, more layered, more beautiful than they were the first time. And this is why I will soak up stuff uh, multiple times throughout my entire life. I have my go-to things. And in that sense, maybe this kind of ruins your ability to to follow my lead and say that there is a difference between acting and, and music. But on that ground, no, there is not. Well, at any given time, just to put myself
1: out there, Maybe three, four films I could think of at any given time I'd be willing to rewatch over. Like just to see again. But I'm not gonna, you know, immerse myself into that same film in a year or two or three. Well obviously like, this there's is getting be one or two that I'm really into. But there's albums, there's dozens dozens and dozens of albums. I know I could listen to it and drop it a hat because it's just something I can
2: just I can get in the mood for that. For uh, this, obviously, for this that. is getting just a little bit off topic, but I would I would say that based on those particular releases, be it an album you keep going back to or a movie you keep going back to, the reason you do is because those, those works, they essentially often are the magnum opuses of all people who were involved they probably are going to be the works that those uh actors and everybody the director everyone who was involved with or the artist in question will be remembered for for years and years and years to come not just by people who loved it but just by the by the collective consciousness of the pop consuming public um and for those people isn't that tantamount to retirement Oh, eh, I, don't,
0: I don't know that I would say that. I, I don't want to
2: say that because those are people who obviously have a lot to impart to the world, and I believe that they are worth following uh, in everything they do with their careers. But that's not going to change that collective consciousness. It more becomes a game at that point of reaching out to who you can, how you can, um, and
0: it may not reach the, the same level of impact that they're bigger works did. I think the important thing we're not touching on here though when talking about this idea of stepping away from something you're working on is it's very often much easier to get perspective on what you do no matter what it is that you do if you step away from it. And if you maybe do different things. Right. That's true. If you're immersed in something and doing it over and over again and not changing anything about it, eventually there is a stagnation. And I think a lot of people who take a step back or take a break or, or, you know, whether it's from whatever art it is, is a big part that. I mean, think about artists who have gone solo, but take a big break like your No Doubts to your Gwen Stefani or even like NSYNC to Justin Timberlake. There's a huge difference between what NSYNC did and what Justin Timberlake did just because of how pop music has evolved over the years. But also he took a step back and said, well, this is what I did with this group. I know I'm capable of working on my own stuff. Here's what I want to do. And it it, it goes without without saying for anything else. And I think...
2: And in most cases, actually, no, not in most cases, but in many cases, your next big thing can be around the corner. Yeah. Um, you may feel like you pe- – in fact, I was just watching an interview of Danny DeVito the other day uh, where he was talking about his career. And it's like he said he, he considers himself very lucky to, le- very lucky to have spanned the, the generations that he has on television, having had Taxi back in the late 70s, early sure. 80s. Huge show absolutely huge show Every, everyone was watching that was at the time of, uh, main and he was one of our main characters and he it, it, it was a phenomenal actor within it and, and then years later obviously he went through a whole thing with film and then he comes and has a prominent role in It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia which is now in its 11th season yeah. and it's, it's also a huge hit Go figure. Not a lot of people would expect that they would have that kind of uh, future. I mean, here, Dandy DeVito was balding back in Taxi. Yeah, well, Most people true. don't consider that, oh, well, 40 years after I go bald, I'll be even more famous.
0: <laughs> it, it's just this idea that I think um, being fed up with, like going back to what Iggy Pop is, the messages on this album, it's like being fed up with what everything that's around you can come from where you are and what you're in. And so taking that step back, And acknowledging it, whether it's retirement or forced retirement or just a hiatus or a break, can give you a lot of perspective on the art that you're making. And I think it's important to do that. And I think kind of what Paraguay is saying is even though he gets pretty aggressive towards the end, ultimately he wants to step – this character wants to step away to get perspective. That's the goal, is perspective, I think. Nah, nah I think he just wants to dig. it. No,
2: he's just pissed. He, he's gonna... He's
1: just guys. done. He's gonna no. die in
0: Paraguay. Actually, away. no, I'm
1: being completely serious. I he's just, just done.
0: He's done. Yeah, but you could be done and then get perspective, whether you want it or he not. He says nothing about perspective. He just rages. Yeah, but... You, you don't have to this want. is a whole nother discussion yeah, you don't have to want perspective to get perspective that's not how that works I don't know there's no implication that he's going to get hey, perspective 2.9
2: notwithstanding pack my soul and scram that's a five star lyric <laughs> I'll say that
0: fair enough um, uh, before we get into what we're doing next week Steve do you have a little spam mail for us I do indeed Another gain
2: from coconut oil's special potential to assistance thyroid functionality is PyUG. Uh, From the 1940s, farmers tried coconut oil to fatten their animals, but discovered that it produced them lean and lively and elevated their urge for food, notes a specialist. Whoops. Then they attempted an antithyroid drug. It built the livestock fats with less foods, but was discovered being a carcinogen, a cancer-causing drug. Uh, During the 1940s, it had been identified the same anti thyroid influence may very well be achieved simply by feeding animals soybeans and corn. Thank you, Paiuji. Oh, well. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, you went to sleep. Yeah, I took a nap. Yeah. The more you know. That is an awkward read. Uh, yeah. yeah, I that's, know. That's but a th- weird th- one because it's like almost grammatically correct. It's almost <laughs> it's English. It, it throws me a little here and there. But it's not punctuation correct.
1: Yeah, the punctuation, That's the commas in the wrong spots. Okay, we're going to move on because I'm really excited about what we're, what
0: we're doing next week. Uh, Are
1: you now? Yeah, I finally get to make good on a promise. Or was it a threat? I think it was a threat. I think it was but a threat. No, no.
0: You made us do Green Day, so... That was
2: a mistake. There's a difference there. This was a threat I made, I don't even know how far back. I it, can remember you discussing uh, the pick that you're about to mention back in the 90s. The 90s of our podcast.
1: Yeah. Well, also, will show
2: That would be two years ago. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, finally, we're going to be able to visit Japanese Idol Metal. I think is the way they phrase it. Or J-Pop Metal with... Baby metal and their newest album Metal Resistance. There's so many metals. Idol metal? Idol metal. What's
2: Idol metal? It's the
1: combination of, Jap- of J-pop idol with metal music. Okay. Uh, there's I... no other way for me to phrase the words I just said. Like a That's pop ex- idol?
2: Like a pop, yeah, idol, pop idol, at idol at the forefront of J-pop pop idols.
1: Su metal, Yui metal, Moa metal. The three
0: lead vocalists. Their last names are metal. There are
1: so many metals in this album. It is epic. But i love to go and do some weird stuff. And I brought on some really weird stuff. And this is something weird and definitely outside of our normal ballpark that I just have wanted. And I saw it. And it was so good. And it came out on April 1st, which made me think (laughs) April Fools. And I had to triple check this one.
0: I mean, I will okay. say that I am intrigued after when we had Kida on last time and she brought us K pop. Um, we had also just. You had brought up baby metal and she had interesting things to say about it. So I'm curious to see. I always like a band where the lyrics are not in English because then I can just. There aren't English things. Right. But for the most part, you can shuffle away the non English into <laughs> instrumentation, which I like doing. I've, I've admittedly said that. It's why I like Rammstein. Why I was intrigued by um, Gungam Style is because it becomes. More rhythmic and more melodic, and so we'll see. And we're gonna have to have sp- if, uh, and if I'm not mistaken, we're gonna
1: have to have Spotify choose us the version that we're gonna listen to because I think there's three different types of releases for this album. Too. So well, one well, Japanese exclusive, one outside Japan exclusive, and one like random one that's called like the one or something like that. It's weird. Uh, whatever
0: version iTunes ha- or Spotify has, we'll make sure we make it clear that that's the version we're doing. Naysaying
2: listeners should actually go back three years to uh, that episode, episode 45, Taboo Volume 1, featuring Keita St. Sears. You can listen to her preview Baby Metal and then listen into the following episode, episode 46, Tears on Tape by Him, and listen to us discuss the concept of foreign music and how far music can wash over you just as instrumentation does. How's that for a connection?
0: All right. And then if they want after that, they can listen to
2: the second episode
0: Kita Saint Cyr was on, which was Episode
2: 129, Crushed by 21, stylized 2NE1 featuring Kita Saint Cyr. There you
0: go. 129. Alright. On that note, before I pass out into my tea, I will just leave you all on the internet with music is life and and life life is good."
2: good.